thing. Gotta do this thing. That thing. All right, shut up, dude. The podcast is starting. Sorry. You know, it's not Derek this week because he wouldn't have said dude. But it is. Where is Derek? Studying? Yeah, coding. Yeah, Derek's coding. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. It's the show where we watch old movies and break them down. I'm Joey Bonnier. To the left of me is Sean Faw. To the right of me is Tim Snow. Yes. And we're graced with the presence of a special guest. He's making his second appearance. It's Mr. James Coburn. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very reserved and elegant clapping. (laughs) And uh, like our usual tradition here, the guest makes the pick. And Mr. James Coburn picked Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. It's worrying. (laughs) No, it's it's worrying. Worrying. It's worrying. Where I I feel attacked. (laughs) When it's worrying, Hudsucker. No, but uh, he actually chose this a long time ago. He's been meaning yeah. to come on for a while. I've been stoked about this because I've actually never seen it before. This was the first time I ever watched it. All right, well, let's go right into it since you're talking, Tim. Um, yeah. What was your first impression of this film? I loved it. I wasn't okay. expecting to love it as much as I did, but it's just <laughs> hilarious. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's also gripping. He really shows a, a cinematic, like, mastery that wasn't present in, uh, what was that other one? Paz Paz of Glory. Glory. Yeah, Yeah, really wasn't present in Paz of Glory. And I think that was really evident even in the opening scene, if you compare the two. What did you expect before you saw anything? Uh, Just from like, you're, you know, living in a world where strange love exists, but not seeing it. What was that experience like? (laughs) (laughs) When did you become uh, Harry King? (laughs) (laughs) I've always conflated the uh, that in 2001, mm-hmm. um, as just, you know, both being of a similar time period and like being, uh, visually striking. So mm-hmm. I expected something that was going to be visually striking. I'd seen, uh, stills of the war room and stuff before. Uh, I mm-hmm. wasn't expecting it to be as funny yeah. as it was. Um, cause all the other Kubrick movies that I've seen, uh, have such like an overly serious tone. Clockwork yeah. has some comedy to it. A little but, bit. Yeah. 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 Not, not in this sense. No, no. No, the, no, not at all. This is like the closest thing to a straight up comedy he, oh, it's he's done. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely a straight up comedy. Dark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's dark as hell. But I like that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, James, since it was your pick, let's first ask you, why did you pick it? Uh, I, For me, it's my favorite uh, Kubrick picture. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I like it. It's dark. It's funny. Uh, I love the characters. Uh, I, I'm a, I particularly like the Slim Pickens character, <laughs> uh, Kong, Major Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I just think it's a fun, interesting, crazy, and poignant film. Yeah. 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 And this is like, I'm assuming not your first, second, third. You've seen this a bunch. I've seen it a few times. Yeah. 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 Do you pick up anything? Did you pick up anything this time that you didn't see before? Yeah. The the smile. In the war room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without really telling everybody what that is. Yeah. That. You can t- oh, yeah. Tell. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That, I think that I, I never really noticed Who's that smile? before. Yeah. So the ambassador, yes. the Russian ambassador. <laughs> yes, he did. He smiles when Dr. Strangelove does some ridiculous thing on his wheelchair. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his, rogue, sure. his rogue Nazi arm is yeah. acting up yes. and he has to beat it into submission. He does it almost also away from the camera. Yes, which it's is twice. Yeah. Once yeah. and then they cut away. Yeah. It's almost as if... It occurred to me that they sent him away to go, and remember how they, where he went off and 
bent down. He was taking pictures. Yeah. It was almost like to keep him off the set so they could shoot the scene because he was breaking up every time. <laughs> 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 very, very funny. Very well <laughs> Totally yeah. possible. It is absolutely possible because uh, he he could he he lost it at the end. They, they yeah. Cut. Yeah. So, and I'd never noticed it. Before. Actually, it's funny to say. That. I was <laughs> looking at all the other background actors too. I was thinking that's impressive to mm. not crack up when you're just watching Peter Sellers just go right. to town. And from what I understand, S. Sellers is mostly improving all that shit. Yes. So yeah. like you, oh, yeah. you, either you, you can't prepare for walking in on a seller's bit. No. Yeah, he, yeah. he's magical. He's yeah, there's in multiple of roles, obviously, he plays the president, he plays Dr. Strangelove, and he plays Lieutenant Mandrake. Mm. And he rocks it in all three roles. Yeah. All three oh, yeah. are wonderful. Yeah. I think I saw this movie like three or four times before I realized like those were you know, the same person. I didn't realize it until uh, after About the movie, two seconds ago. To be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I was reading about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. are. They're, they're different fleshed out characters, different yep. voices. He really does play them differently. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. And we've heard from Sellers that two of those characters were his famous favorite characters to play. Yeah. I can definitely see Mandrake. Yeah. Mandrake is an amazing character. Oh, man. I would love fun. like a prequel, a prequel with Mandrake. Yeah. I want to be with him. <laughs> yeah. That, like, Which the scene, scene are you talking about? Oh, just the scene, the, like, the, the amalgamation of scenes between him and, uh, and Jack D. Ripper. Mm. Jack uh, Ripper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were just, they were fantastic. They were the, the real gem of the film, I think. Well, so, you could do a whole prequel of Mandrake in his uh, internment camp. I know. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he talks about it. He's like a Spitfire fighter yeah. pilot who gets yeah. like, yeah, obviously he's got some shit to tell. Yeah, coming 2022. Totally. <laughs> we should write uh, Mandrake. Mandrake. We're we're right. Mand it's called Mandrake. TM Fallcast. TM Fallcast. Yeah, Mandrake. Yeah. Uh, so, Sean, let's get to you. What did mm -hmm. you think? I mean, this, you said you've seen this before, but what was your first impression this time? Yeah, I've seen this a number of times. Um, I love this movie. Um, it's, you know, visually great. Uh, like James said, uh, you pointed out that... Um, um, uh, the the uh, ambassador was laughing. That was the first time I had I had noticed that um, or watched it happen. Um, in that moment, Sellers' his arm is like attacking his wheelchair uh, wheel on the other side, yeah. like it's trying to move him somewhere where he doesn't want to be or something. And he had so just, just slammed so, himself. Yeah. He just hit himself yeah. really. He, he oh, just, man. I mean, he draws so much focus that I've seen this movie. You know, in the you yeah, know, I would have noticed it unless in, we rewound exactly. and had some. Somebody pointed out. I forget. Yeah. Was it yeah, Joey, Joey pointed, pointed it out? And I did not. I Again, this was the first time I noticed it. I've seen this movie five times. That was the first time I quickly wow. just because oh, I was looking at the background actors, thinking I was thinking mm. if I was on set that day holding a boom, how, how would yeah. you do that? I couldn't keep it together. No, you'd have to look away. You yes. wouldn't be able to. I've had yeah, to do yeah, that yeah. before too. Yeah. I've had to look away sometimes. Mm. Uh, yeah, because I can't. I, I have trouble with that on set sometimes. I, I do laugh a little bit. I, I admit. And but, I, I think that's one of the reasons that this makes this one of my favorite Kubrick movies. Um, I have a hard time with anything that takes itself completely seriously. And some of the Kubrick stuff takes itself a little way too seriously for me. Yeah. Um, but this one obviously is the much more comedic version of it. Oh, yeah. And the uh, just the, the social commentary is just, I mean, so spot on and fantastic that like... When you know the backstory, it just makes even more sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a quick game with you, Sean. Uh, let's uh, say there's a sequel. Yeah. It's called Son of Strange Love. Who do you get to direct it? So quick, who, just answer quick. Come on, first to, impression. Oh, to uh, who's directing Son of Strange Love? Son of Strange Love. Who would you get um, to write? Quite, Michael Waititi. Quite, quite. 
Oh, okay. That's a good call. Uh, okay. I was going to say Terry Gilliam. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's who they actually wanted to do it. I right, thought you were going to go. That makes sense. Anyways, I thought it was like, <laughs> it's like an obvious kind of tone. Oh, I didn't know there was actually, there was actually, yes, a, that is a real thing. Everyone's what would they do? <laughs> I don't know. After the mine shaft gap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fulfill know. the mine shaft gap. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious because Terry Gilliam really, it fills yeah, yeah. that kind of role, I think, that, that creepy comedic. I mean, He's on his last legs now, too. Well, yeah. I don't think they'd want to go too silly with it, though. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do that, what do you, I I just don't know what the message would be. I mean, you say that, but then I forgot again until this viewing the scene where the officer shoots the Coke machine and he gets sprayed in the face. You know, there's some like really kind of low brow vaudevillian really sort is. of comedy that, it's, moments it's, it, in this. That, that is the most in your face comedic movement. Uh, Pun intended. In the, in the, in the, it, it, literally, in the <laughs> picture, I, I agree. I agree, but I want to say even, even yes, and it's not just a vaudevillian stoogey thing because right before they're talking about you can take it up with the Coca Cola company, yeah, yeah, and it is kind of an anti-capitalist, yeah. kind of corporate yeah. corporatist probably message, and he gets sprayed in the face with it. You know, we've seen that message before. Where? In that last movie that we watched together. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. the same as the, the same anti-corporation phone company. Yeah. Yeah. Those precious bodily fluids. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. And those Wi-Fi signals. I mean, They're it's one us. and the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I... I um, I'm just saying that's oh, a ahead. '60s sensibility. Absolutely. I, I, Don't I, trust I, the government. I think, I, think if, I think if we really thought about it, we could find that uh, more examples of it in films. Yeah. Yeah. What other films would you compare this to, James? Is there is there anything like this? No, no, it's just unique. I think I kind of agree in some senses. It's just a unique tone and honestly, the, the, so ahead of its time in so many ways. The closest that this feels to me is Starship Troopers. Oh, okay. So there is that. this sort of like um, tongue-in-cheek anti-government, but like also embracing it. Like one thing I really noticed in this viewing is. At the end, when all the other airplanes get called off and we're still with that one plane, you're like rooting for him to get that bomb off. Like, you're, you I mean, were? I mean, you, no. there's still like that uh, American sort no. of like triumph thing. I don't know. To me, like the the way that That's it was coming together, there was like a more of a, um, the, the film well, language that Sean, is used is um, this kind of like buildup of them trying to accomplish this thing. And they're a, pushing this uphill well, and you're like, and you know, true. kind of going with no, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this, that's, that's the you, spirit of the, yeah, American, the American. It, it fucking, was propaganda. Exactly. I, I think it's so yeah, interesting in a, in a because way, yeah. that's how I felt when I first saw Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah. I think I was too young to totally. get the allegory. So I did was, oh, fuck the bugs. Let's kill the bugs. You know? <laughs> Can I say, I know it just, it just popped in my head, but War Games yeah. is, is there yeah. too in a sort of virtual way. Absolutely. Uh, interesting. I mean, it's all game theory. The Matthew Broderick you know. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I never did see that. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, this was based off a book, I believe it's called Red Alert, and it's about yeah. mutually assur- assured destruction, mm-hmm. you know, and then right. in 1963, you know, this was at the top of everyone's minds because of, obviously, 13 days, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and and and, uh, and obviously, Kennedy was just assassinated in November of 63, I believe 63, yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, that's on everyone's minds. So, I think placing this in a specific context is, is clear, and it has to be said, because you know, I don't think there's ever been a point where we really were confronted with nuclear destruction quite like then. No, but you know what? No. They did everything they possibly could to terrify every. Let me tell you something. When I was seven, eight years old, elementary school in the 60s, uh, we were diving under desks. Duck and cover. We were, yeah. well, there was an air raid siren every 
every month at least it might have been every week but there's definitely something every month did you feel it time. did you was it like a palpable fear fear that uh, yeah because they they well, they warned us that this could happen yeah. and if this mm. was going to happen this is what you had to do to survive did Jeez. it ever kind of like so, come to the point where the fear subsided and you just kind of like felt like it was stupid and going through motions or did it, did that fear always kind of, you know, what? I'm sure that, I'm sure that for some people it just, Oh, yeah, we're doing this again. Yeah. And for others, I'm sure it continued to terrify them. Right. Uh, your, your time in school, you always felt the fear from it though. You uh, never really, I, I think when I was young, I probably did. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's terrifying. Seven years old. Yeah, 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 totally. It's terrifying. It is. I think this is fascinating, this movie, in that sense, because it is a comedy. When I first saw it, I was like, what the fuck are we laughing at? Mm. Like, watching it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. Why are yeah. we all laughing? Because it's I all was, you can do. And yeah, and then you kind of get it. You're like, you know, that's how a lot of people confront trauma and tragedy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, as a, as a Jew, to, you know, learning about the Holocaust all my life, you, know, you realize there's a lot of you know coping mechanisms that go into that. And I think, I, I, at least that's what I think Sean was trying to get at. And that after a while, after a lot of duck and cover you know, drills. It's almost like, yeah, but that's what they're trying again. to do. That's what they're trying to make you numb to it. Yeah. That was the whole intention of it sure. was yeah. to get you so used to this so that, Oh, Oh, it's happening. Let's just do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if you're paralyzed with fear, then you're right. I mean, that was their goal, but they had to motivate you somehow in the first place. Right. And they yeah. have to tell you what the hell is going on to some degree. I mean, oh, yeah, fear is a great motivator. Was, it was crazy. Uh, I think fallout shelters everywhere. I mean, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I don't remember this stuff growing up as a kid, well, as a millennial. Yeah, I, you know, I just, it wasn't really around. For I do you. remember the fallout shelters. You know, the little but signs. By the time we got like, there, it was like a joke, and it exactly. was like fallout your crazy shelters neighbor. were dismantled Cold War was done. By then. Yeah. I'm just right. it's just something we don't live with. It was a Brendan I think, Fraser movie, yeah. and I think it's that wasn't even reality for me. <laughs> I was just told how special I was. <laughs> you, are, you are special. And you got a trophy every week? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking millennium. What a... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> well, you know. Well, let's talk about some of the other characters in this movie. Uh, and obviously, we talked about Peter Sellers. He's amazing. Uh, Sterling Marlin, Jack Ripper. My goodness. What'd you oh, think of him, James? What a man. What a man. Oh, my God. And I love how he withholds his essence. <laughs> his I do not avoid them, but I deny them my essence. The way, yeah, the way he delivers those lines is so yeah. special. The oh, intensity, man. the the sheer, yeah, like, just convinced uh, he's nature so of him. He's such yeah. a oh good, God. crazy person. Yeah, yeah he's just dynamite. I, That's the thing. Yeah. Like most people would play crazy as like uh, Brad Pitt, twelve monkeys slapping themselves in the head. Crazy. Right. His crazy is just determined that he's correct. Yeah, and that is like that's way spooky. Exactly. Yes, especially when you have power. Yeah, he's, he's seen some real crazy people. He's seen some real shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I believe he was in World War II. I forget. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's a vet. Mm. Um, he's got a fascinating story. I, mean, I think we saw Johnny Guitar. That's one of our lost uh, episodes. Nah. But uh, he's fantastic in Johnny Guitar. You definitely want to check that one out. And he's also in The Killing, another one of uh, Kubrick's earlier films. So mm. Kubrick really likes him. I think he's really got that Kubrickian style, right? He can just simply act yeah, absolutely yeah. serious and in, in say the most ridiculous lines Regardless with the straightest of faces. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way he doesn't blink in some of those un- the nope. shots is so impressive and creepy. Uh, yeah. Okay, great, 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 job great at that too. Yeah. Um, other, we got to mention Slim Pickens. Yeah. 
Slim Pickens. Yeah. Oh I mean, he's not really acting, in, if you think about it. That's just how he is, supposedly. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, yeah. He, supposedly came to set, and they were wondering why he was in uniform because he was, oh, you know, wardrobe because he wore the, the the hat and the you know the the ruffle jacket, and he was just like, "No, nah, this is me. This is how we talk." <laughs> like all of those phrases, those idioms. I believe yeah. that's just him. He's not really acting. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yep. he's amazing. Slim Pickens Absolutely. is a hell of a name too. Yeah, uh, my, I love him in Blazing Saddles. One of the best. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> I mean, again, I don't know if he's really acting, but yeah. Someone's going to have to go back and get a whole shitload of nickels. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, well, he's I, 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 there's so many great cameos. Wait, James Earl Jones. was in uh, Liberty Valance, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. He was. Yeah, I remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's just great. His voice oh, is way he's less great. annoying in this. Yeah. Every, so, every yeah. time he's on, to he's great. For that, because his voice was fucking annoying in Liberty Valance. <laughs> that's, James, that's a filter you can use. Yeah, that's also the, maybe the mic technology yeah. of 1963. <laughs> they cranked uh, his gain. <laughs> so, James Earl Jones, the great cameo. That's Especially at that time, like he was just an actor. Like he yeah. wasn't. He was good too. I, I mean, the way he was just negative function <laughs> and like freaking out. Right. That was a great scene. You know, what I'm saying is like today, James Earl Jones is like James Earl Jones. Right. But like then he yeah. was just kind of another actor. Yeah, I don't know if he was yeah. in much else. Yeah. It sounded to me like they may have used his voice for the announcer in the war room. They could have. You, you got to Google. I, it possible. sounded possible, but I can't believe they would risk that, that we mm-hmm. would hear that and be like, that's oh, James. It's such a recognizable voice. I don't so know. maybe you're right. I, At the time, not? maybe not. I mean, it sounded a little like Sellers to me. Maybe they would re- yeah, re- redo I Peter wonder, Sellers. I wonder. I've never Possibly. read anything about that. Uh, Kubrick did a lot of ridiculous stuff on set. Um, George C. Scott, obviously, is another amazing character <laughs> in here. Uh, what's his name? General Turgeson. Turgeson. God, yeah. he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. And the girl. Oh, the girl in the bed? Oh, isn't she wonderful? <laughs> she, yeah, she's oh relaying those messages. And There's a lot of great phone work. That, that uh, you scene know? specifically is just really great because it's all that one shot with all the mirrors everywhere. So you can kind of see everything. It dollies in a little bit and yeah. it's and a little bit closer. But yeah, everything is just contained in that one moment. It's the first scene that George C. Scott's in. Yeah. And we, we're into the scene for three or four minutes before we even see yep. the guy. And we know everything very we need to know toilet. about his character before <laughs> yeah. he yeah. even steps into the frame. Very true. And George C. Scott was a big actor then. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So he was pissed at Kubrick for a lot of this because he didn't want to play that part so ridiculous, so over the top. Oh, really? Kubrick told him to do a lot of practice takes and say, hey, let's do this one a little bit crazy, uh, a little bit over the top. Yeah, he does that. And he promised them that he wouldn't use yeah, them yeah. and he ended up using Never trust oh, well. directors, kids. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, They're going to do what they got to do to get what they need. Yeah. George from you. C. Scott also supposedly played him a lot of chess on set with Kubrick, and Kubrick would beat him a lot. Kubrick was notoriously very good at chess. Yeah. And um, So this would piss him off? It would kind of piss him off, but, but George C. Scott said it also gave him a little more respect. So he was willing to kind of try a little more shit because he respected <laughs> Kubrick a little more. Fair. <laughs> a lot of, I mean... Kubrick is trying, I think, different stuff here. I think it's clear that he's not quite his 2001 Clockwork Orange self yet. Mm. I think. It seems to me. But he's definitely past the Paths of Glory traditional. Oh, yeah. You know, well, he's really I, That was super evident in the opening scene because it kind of almost mirrors Paths of Glory. Which scene do you mean? Do you mean the, the planes having Plane sex? Or? No, 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 no. The, <laughs> uh, the opening scene between the two generals uh, talking on the phone. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. 
and it's played through it you know it's just cutting back and forth between them and it's really well done the uh the you know kind of the same conversation happens in the opening scene of Paths of Glory with the two generals oh, in that yeah. one room and it was just boring as all hell because it was you know basically a theater shot right. you know it was all done in a water right um so you abs- I think you just it's evident from the get go that he's just really stepped his game up a lot in the last I don't know seven years or something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, from yeah, go. Well, from what I understand, this he had basically gone into this movie not thinking of it as a comedy at all. Mm. But once he started to do the research and started to see just like how ridiculous all of this shit was and like how just horrible our plan and everything would actually turn out, he kind of realized that it could only be a comedy, which <laughs> I think is kind of weird because, you know, this is like his only comedy as well. Certain yeah. things are just absurd in nature. Exactly. Yeah. I think the opening actually sets the stage mm. for a comedy, right? right? How so? Oh, totally. Well. I mean, plain you know, yeah, plain yeah, it's I, just I, plain. It is, it is completely absurd. Uh, <laughs> well, you got to refuel. You got to refuel. I, yeah. I, I, I'm with you, but <laughs> it, it's it's very <laughs> Freudian in the way that we've developed our technology yes. to right. all be phallic. And then yes. there was the one where the thing misses or falls yeah. out or something. You know, I mean, <laughs> what does that mean, on. James? I don't know. What do you think it means? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going on through Kubrick's head. Why open the movie this way? I mean, seriously, why? No, I think uh, you're, you were on to something completely right. And and someone, I think, t- asked him later on about all the sexual references. And he said, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Basically <laughs> saying that it's all one big so phallic wargasm. He called it a screwed, war- I guess. Yeah. A wargasm. Well, he called it a wargasm. Mm. That's but, great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely. We're all being screwed. <laughs> that is that is toothy. But- <laughs> toothy. Jesus. It's like a quadruple guy. There you go. Uh, But yeah, from what I understand, that's like what changed his mind, like talking to these generals and just like seeing how crazy they could be and like how much power they actually could wield. Yeah. You know, just opened his eyes to, you know, this fucking very real possibility. And as much as, because there's a disclaimer at the opening of this film that it's like super not possible and blah, 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 blah. I was reading a New York... uh, no, it's a New Yorker article, oh. not a New York Times mm. article. Mm. I guess that's an, an important clarification. Yeah. But uh, it was an, a, a really long article. I read the first quarter of it, skimmed the last bit of it. But it's apparently all of this is su- is and was super possible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. It, it just was. You're right. They were going on. They were going on It almost happened, they, actually, yeah, yeah. With, a, with a Russian uh, guy. There's a specifically lot of close calls. That I'm well, thinking I, th- of. I thought um, uh, Strange Love was mostly based on uh, Kissinger. Am I wrong in that? Uh, I believe. Do you mean Curtis LeMay? Or do you mean Kissinger? It's kind of. Do you mean Strangelove himself? The, the character of Dr. Strangelove Partially, was mostly yes. based on, on Henry Kissinger. Although there's also Manhattan Project dudes, yeah, too. Yeah. You know, there's Werner and, right, right. you know. Oh but I, I, yeah, I just mean like. It's interesting. I don't know anything about that. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of the, the Germans brought over well, Operation Paperclip. I know that there were a lot of Germans that were brought over Operation after Operation Paperclip. Yeah. And I figured yeah. that he, uh, yeah, just represented an amalgam of he all did. of those Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, but you're right. There was patrols with B-52s that would go on those specific yeah. routes with <laughs> armed nukes. I think they still do. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they yeah. stopped that. No, uh, I don't think really? so. Yeah, they did. They stopped that. They stopped the strategic. Uh, I, I swear to you, I chemtrails. You can man. Google it. Please Google it. That's, because I know how much that do they Russian? I know that there's. No, they absolutely have the ability to put a nuke in a plane. <clears throat> 
but they don't have B1s or B2s flying around Russian airspace. Is that just in- because our ICBMs are good enough now where we don't and really need that? Su- mostly sub- submarines. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. subs are always oh, there. Yeah, true, it, there's true. a triad, right? The subs, yeah. the ICBMs. Speaking of that airplane, though, how cool did that thing look? I mean, it really felt to me... Like a, a 60 zero switches and you know, oh, that, like, the interior, uh, yeah. Of the, uh, so, yeah. I, I'm sure it was deck. fake as hell, but it uh, felt great. Okay, so great story behind this Kubrick obviously did not get access to the Air Force B 52. <laughs> At the yeah. time, the B 52 was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Ironically, it's that's its yeah. term buff, but um, we still use the B 52, so they were trying to be a little bit secretive with it. But supposedly, an Air Force general watched the movie and was shocked and they were pissed <laughs> off and they actually made an investigation into it because it was so accurate and they didn't wow. know and it looked like Kubrick had some sort of yeah. inside information. Uh, I've taken I've taken tours of like decommissioned airplanes of that stature. I don't know if specifically B-52s, but yeah, it looks pretty accurate. I actually just went to the Reagan Library and they have the Air Force, <laughs> now. Air Force One mm. on display. You I know, I through. just watched the episode of Baskets where Christine Baskets visits the Reagan Library, of course. <laughs> I have not seen that yet. I will. Uh, I would like to watch Baskets. It's a terribly good show. Well, originally you weren't allowed to take pictures of the Air Force One communication system because they were like, oh no, you're going to steal it. And they realized it's from 1978. Who yeah. gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. so, I think there have been like three of them since then. Yeah, exactly. We don't use the 707 one, which is, it's in, by the way, it's crazy how small that one is mm. and how uncomfortable it was. There's like no beds. There's like a really? pullout sofa that Reagan slept on. Crazy. Oh, the uh, 707? The 707. Yeah. Tiny. Anyways. Okay. Um, it was the 70s, man. Fuel efficiency was like a big deal. Into the 80s. Into the 80s. Well, fuel still wasn't cheap. Not really. It didn't have to <laughs> carry that many people, though. So. Yeah. Now they carry the whole press corps just because they can. But like, Yeah. Um, I guess we got to talk more about the historical context here. About And you kind of mentioned how accurate it was. Yes. Um, also, the other characters that are based on amalgams are... Jack Ripper. I think mostly he's based off Curtis LeMay. Hmm. Curtis LeMay is a very famous World War II Air Force general who was famous for firebombing Tokyo and wanting to nuke everything. What the president? <laughs> wow. Who's the, I didn't know who this. Who did that? Who was that? Well, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Who was the president? Truman. Uh, Truman. Truman. Hmm, and interesting. Then, yeah. Hmm. At the was t- from Missouri. Um, and then LeMay- but Peter into, Sellers wasn't basing that on anything He was basing it supposedly on Adley Stevenson. Okay. Uh, the Democrat from the 50s who lost twice. Yeah, yeah. Who was kind of ineffectual. Right, yeah, but, that makes sense. But I think he is a little Truman-y. He, got, he looks a little- He oh. does from he looks. With the glasses sure. and the, you know, the yeah, yeah. suit. I just don't see Truman as like a mousy sort of like, you yeah. know, bickery, indecisive sort he, of guy. It, it depends. I've never seen any Obviously, we, we don't know. I don't, Yeah. yeah. Um, but also LeMay was famous. Obviously a Democrat. Uh, he was, honestly, I think he was supposed to be a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, I, would, yeah, I think yeah. a liberal. I think, yeah. a, I believe that Maybe was, an off the rails liberal. Yeah, because a Republican would have been like, yeah, like, like, yeah, a, yeah. Uh, go. Yeah. Uh, George C. Scott's character. Yeah, yeah. He was one right. of my other favorites in the film, actually. Who? Uh, oh. Uh, the president? Oh, yeah, just Sellers as the president. Like yeah. his one-sided conversation oh with Dimitri yeah. is just comic gold. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> to ha- yeah, to basically- but, carry a whole scene with yeah one. He, did, he just does it all by himself yep um quickly i just want to say lemay wanted to nuke korea in the korean war <gasps> um and truman famously fired him because mm. he was crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh we're very close to nuking korea but just let wow him. yeah very close yikes <laughs> we still use b-52s to this day which is kind of crazy and we're still gonna use them for another 20 years what do you do with them same thing what do you mean the b-52 yeah uh they don't carry nukes anymore 
but they just carry conventional bombs. So Rock they, lobsters. Yeah. They oh, bomb. so we just oh, that's <laughs> I, where I they, like that. they fly the, the bunker <laughs> busters in with the B fifty. Mm, yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, in fact, I don't believe. I think the only things that carry nukes now are the B twos, which we're actually decommissioning, huh. like the mm. Broken Arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the black the black the stealth Travolta. Bomber, yeah, the cool. Yeah, yeah the, the first. The Travolta. I grew up on a farm in Missouri, and uh, those. Uh, Right near Whiteman Air Force Base. Um, oh, you saw them every day? Probably. Yeah, those would fly over. Those and the oh, A-10 Warthogs. Uh, yeah. I guess they would fly out from Whiteman to fucking Iraq and okay. then back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's craziness. Yeah, it was nuts. But yeah. And they would need you hear a lot of airplanes out there. Yeah, just like that. Okay. Um... Other standout performances that I'm just forgetting. Are there any? Are the ambassador's pretty good? I thought he was a little yeah, over the top. Yeah, he's quite good. He actually kind of almost reminded me of uh, of uh, Orson Welles a little bit. Yeah, mm. I totally got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I see that. Reminiscent of a less talented Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while we're talking about characters, um, let's do cast it today. Uh -oh. Are there characters, oh, uh, people today oh, you would boy. cast it as? Sean, let's go to you first. Well, I mean, the first thing we have to clarify is, do we have to cast one person for all three Ooh, of Peter Sellers' point. roles? Well, for, okay, let's, let's just say, <laughs> is there anyone that can be Peter Sellers? Um, who, would you, who is the closest? Uh, my my only gut is Jim Carrey 20 That's years what ago. I, exactly, I no, think I Jim think, Carrey 20 years ago. I think if ago. you put George Clooney in there, I don't think Clooney could do all three. He might. He'd you be don't able think to, so? No, Clooney's not that. I don't know if he's funny. got the latitude. I, I don't know that Clooney, can, Clooney can't do mousy. He can't do. He couldn't do the president. No, yeah. that's true. Yeah, he does just have that suave voice. Yeah. He's a cobbler. He's yeah. He's way too charismatic. He's yeah. He's you too know good what? Looking, he almost. could play. Like, uh, he could uh, do Turgeson. Yeah, yeah. Turgeson. Yeah, he Scott. could do Turgeson. Yeah. I think you're right about Jim Carrey, though. I can't imagine any one person. I mean. It's got to be someone that, you know, just has that, like, improv Maybe a imitation. prime Robin Williams. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, Matthew McConaughey is Kong. That's a Ooh. good one. Yeah. Ooh. I think your typecasting is Texas draw. That's I don't, true. I don't appreciate so what? that. I think he could play the role. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. He does have the personality <laughs> no, for you're it. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. He just put that, all right, all right, all right. Just says he's fallen. Yeah. Yeah. What about Sterling Marlin, Jack Ripper? Anyone for him? Uh, hmm. Who can play a dead-eyed crazy dude? That's like a um, like a Harvey Keitel Mel or yeah, uh, racist ass Melly Gibson's. Yeah, but he's just um, got those crazy blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Nicolas Cage could tone it down, no, he can't no, really you just tone have it down. Chug a bottle yeah. of vodka in his underpants. No, he. <laughs> he did. He, did, he does that oh, in Mandy, dude. and it's yeah. the best scene ever. Oh wow! I need to see that. Yeah. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. For for Ripper? For for just Ripper? Yeah, Ripper. Mm. What, about, what about like a Cranston? Okay. Okay. Yeah, he could he could okay. do it. He could do it. Great call. Yeah, I don't know that. Sure. Yeah. Cranston yeah. could do honestly. Anything. That's true. <laughs> Let's, he can do no wrong. It's always a good feeling. Yeah. All right. I I think we've exhausted it then. Let's move on. Um Let's move on to a game. Let's brighten um, this thing up, let's, Sean. Let's do a game. Oh, we're uh -oh. going to do a game. We're going to play okay. the domestic gross game. Gentlemen, Ooh. are you ready to play the most wondrously fantabulous game to ever be a thrust forth from the bowels of the internet? Are you ready to play Yes, they're gross? The only game where I'm going to tell you the name and the blog line, and then you're going to guess how much the fuck I made. So, <laughs> um, it's the only game. 
The only game. The only game with numbers and numbers and numbers. Uh, So, first up, gentlemen, the domestic box office gross. Get some. In 2008. Oh, I guess I should throw out the uh, the the, yeah, the, the reason the category today. We're going to be doing comedy war movies. Ah, yeah, yeah. twelve mil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he wins. Uh, yeah. Uh, first up on the list, uh, 2008, directed by Mr. Ben Stiller. We have Tropic Thunder. Mm. 150 Tropic million. Thunder. James coming off the gate, wow. coming he's out of the gate easy, with 150 James, million. Because now you influenced us. One hundred and because we're going to write ours down. Uh, so yeah, this one stars many, many, many people that are <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black, uh, Ben Stiller, Steve Coogan. Can this movie I thought be it was made a today? Great fucking movie. I thought yeah. it was funny. I don't think no it made today. I actually saw an interview with Robert Downey Jr. recently. And, uh, I think it was with um, uh, Rogan, right? Rogan, yeah, I yeah. Saw this too. Uh, he was talking about whether or not you could make this again. Uh, what, what did he say? Um, I th- basically it kind of came down to you. Yes, at any time you can do anything. Um, it might not be as successful today, but like with the proper tact, it probably could. And then he went on to explain like all of his like reasoning and thinking behind it and that he wasn't really doing um he, was he wasn't saying, embracing blackface as much as like tire. yeah trying to show you know the the how the horribleness of hollywood yeah. in general what a ridiculous character i mean oh, yeah. it was a, what a great movie great. What yeah. a gra- i really thought it was a great movie yeah. it was yeah. really funny yeah without a doubt all right so how much money so in 2008 <laughs> what did a tropic thunder make joey 120 120 million timmer I'm going to do a little bananagram of that. 210. $210 million. It was a bold time. And then, James, are you sticking with your 150? I'm going with 150. 150. All right. So the closest to come in here would be Joseph Bonnier. This one came in at $110 million with a budget of $92 million. Hmm. Wow. I'd probably still say it hasn't made any money. No, definitely not. Maybe yeah, not, yeah. That, no, that's Hollywood financing. Exactly. It never makes any money, so you don't. I mean, but yeah, you never yeah, know the DVD streaming stuff, though. They, the, it's no, no, they, the, never, they always yeah. claim a loss. They'll always, they will yeah. always claim a loss. I see. So they don't. Hollywood have to pay hasn't them. made money in exactly, like, <laughs> except for Disney. Well, no, because yeah. it's hard Disney, for Disney to do that. But they know, write so. off a loss to one end of their company, right. which is a loss to the other end of the company, yeah. and then it ends up being a loss to everyone. But yeah. somehow, except and Disney still makes money. Yeah, their stocks are going cars. up. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. I was just staring at the at the ivy fence of Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking my fist. All right, gentlemen, as our Hollywood dreams have become dashed, let's move on to the next movie. Uh, An American Dream in 2016, directed by Todd Phillips. We have A War Dogs. War Dogs. dogs. (laughs) 50 million. War Dogs. A War Dogs. (laughs) A War Dogs. 50 million. This is uh, Jonah Hill and no one else that you care about. You influenced me Uh, again. 50 million dollars, says James. You got to hold your cards a little closer. I Mm. don't care. I'm going going for broke there. Uh, Timmer, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go in for 21 mil. 21 million dollars, Joey. 75. $75 $75 million. And uh, Mr. Colburn's uh, Out of the Gate does him well. This one came in at $43 million. Dag Still up. over. Well done. well done, sir. I was We're not prices guess right. We're just closest. But I thought that would be too close. I didn't want to guess too close. You didn't want to embarrass. No, no, you wouldn't want to. I didn't want to be a dick. Yeah, too late. Boy. Well, I appreciate that. Sweet yeah. boy. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> 
It was the greatest art heist in history. In 2014, directed by Mr. George Clooney, we have The Monuments Men. Hmm. The Monuments Men. I, I never it, saw it. Uh, this is Clooney, Matt Damon, scene. Bill Murray, Kate Blanchett, John Goodman. Yeah. Oh. It had one scene. All right. Well, what did it make, Tom? Uh-huh. Uh, 52 million bucks. 52 million dollars. Mm-hmm. And James? Uh, I'll, I'll stick with my original 60, but it's 60. probably closer to 45, but I'll say 60. Okay. And Joey? 30. 30. Uh, that is a good instinct, Mr. Coburn. That came in at 78 million dollars. <laughs> Idiots. Wow. I guess a lot of people's moms and dads wouldn't They saw love that World movie. War II movies. Yeah. If there's a World War II movie, any man over 60 has to see it. Uh, well, a lot of, like, it a a lot of people movie. like George Clooney yeah, yeah. and they'll go see anything he does. Clooney is pretty and bankable. When, when they've got that, it, it was kind of an Ocean's Eleven y yeah. sort of yeah. a feel. That's yeah. how they marketed it. Bunch of different stars. Yeah. 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 And they got Bill Murray in it, yep. you know. Which is just hard to get yeah. him to show for anything. The buzz for that movie was was pretty big. It, it was just True. a big fucking disappointment. The yeah. uh, the one good scene was that scene with the Christmas song or whatever. They put the record. Rocking around. I yeah, that's Christmas it. tree. That's it. Yeah. Have a happy yeah, And then Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin has this, the, the fake slaps yeah, All right, gentlemen. cardboard cutouts. Once upon a time in Nazi-occupied <laughs> France, mm. in 2019, directed by Mr. Quentin Tarantino, we have Inglorious Bastards. Hmm. Did you say uh, 2019? Uh, 2009. 2009. Yep. 2009. 2009. This one is Brad Pitt and Christopher, uh, Christoph Waltz and Eli Roth and all the, the standard players. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did have a budget of $70 million. Don't but tell us the budget make? next. Don't tell us. Yeah, don't, okay. don't, don't dip your head. It's a hint. Huh? Uh, okay. What did it make, Joey? 115. 115 million dollars, says Joey. And James? 130. 130. And Timmer? 90. 90 million dollars, says Timmer. And Mr. James Colburn takes it away again. This one came out at 120 million dollars. You know, so, it's. Uh, what did you say? I was 115, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, 121. I'm bad at math. Oh, yeah, you he did sneak it away there. You he know what? Though? It's interesting because it, it, I think that this last movie that he did was his biggest grossing picture. Really? Yeah. 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 Once upon well, a time. A lot, uh, yeah, a lot of people went and saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was also supposed to be his swan song, but apparently that's not happening anymore. So <laughs> the fact that anybody believed that is <laughs> yeah, a yeah. fucking he's, comedy. He's always going to retire. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he wants to do a Star Wars picture. It's like Kiss right. his last you, concert. Well, uh, the last thing I saw is that Doesn't he's doing the. Doesn't everybody want to do a Star Wars picture? True. But he's doing the TV version of the movie inside of how uh, um, the last one he did, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So the Jake a Dalton. TV version? Yeah, it was doing the Jake Dalton TV show, essentially. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, but my he's like, God. He's making the Western show. Like a parody of Gunsmoke, basically? Essentially, I think, yeah. Jeez Louise. Yep. So even though, oh, no, we Well, unless we there's tied. lots of opportunity for shoot 'em ups and blood and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Reckon, so, yeah. yeah. It can really, uh, yeah. Uh, hey. Okay. Might be good. If they do it for Netflix, I'll watch it. So we have uh, two for Mr. Joseph Bonnier and two for Mr. James Colburn. So the last one up on the list, we have Sleep Tight America, 
the safety of the free world rests in his hands. In 1994, directed by Daniel Petrie Jr., we have In the Army Now. <laughs> What a classic. This one stars favorite of the films you've listed. <laughs> this one stars Pauly Shore and Andy Dick and Laurie Petty and David Alan Greer. Um, David you know, Alan Greer is stupendous in this movie. He's always good. Yes. And so was Laurie Petty, honestly. She's yeah. always great. Yeah, I love she Laurie is. Petty. Oh, you've actually you seen this movie. Oh, I've seen this movie many times. <laughs> I've seen this movie within the last six months. <laughs> that tells me a lot about you. Okay. He's, he's quietly judging. Well, not very quietly. But the real question is, what did it gross domestically, that is? Uh, Mr. Joseph? $28 million. $28 million. Uh, James? 20 $20 million. And Timmer? Yeah. 15 Fifteen million dollars. This was really Come at on, the end of Pauly. his 15 minutes. Come on, Pauly. This was really at the end of his 15 minutes. I'm really thinking Joey cheated on this one because really? it came in at $28 million. Wow. $28.8 million to be a slightly Damn. more precise. What but a terrible number nice, that is. Nice. I mean, they must have been very disappointed with that. <laughs> yeah. Joey's the at the end, but thank you very much for joining us. There was no budget listed for that movie, but yes. yeah, some movies they do and some movies they don't. Yeah. We have an actual thing. Yeah. There you go. That was Guest Gross. <laughs> Thanks for Woo! joining us. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to move on to the sound, everyone's favorite portion. Uh, yeah. Tim, do you, do you want to leave? Or? You know, I, yeah, yeah, I'll get a cup of coffee. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about the sound. I don't, I don't think there's anything crazy I'm going to talk about. I do think there's some really nice touches. Um, Is it a good touch or a bad touch? Ooh. All right. Pardon me, Joe. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm That's currently a bad touch. Bad touch. talking on a microphone, wow. and he pushed me. That's great. Uh, James, let me ask you, what do you think of the music in this film? What do you think? Anything special? No. <laughs> Not at all? Even the music during the, uh, the B-52 scenes? Johnny comes marching home? You know, I, I didn't think, think anything the of it? goal of it... Uh, not really. You know what? Not, not nothing way. remarkable. I, I I thought it was pretty standard stuff. I wouldn't call it a remarkable score. I, uh, that piece of music, the especially the one that they ended with, you, what's it called? We'll meet again. Yeah, I mean that was a big song. I think it's re very reflective of how people felt. Um, but no, not you know what? Eh, didn't do anything particularly much for me. Music. It's interesting I, to me that Kubrick is not interested in a lot in in score. He kind of just it likes did not different. The time either. He think likes about specific it. songs. I thought it was appropriate, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah anything stand out. Um, obviously, that ending number is classic and kind of ingrained in people's heads. But that Johnny kind of marching home thing is definitely the the uh, overly patriotic, yeah, uh, sure. you know, indicator that you know. It's propaganda. Yeah. That's but, part of why I felt so like, you know, on their side watching them trying to nuke Russia. I believe you're right. I, I'm going to look at the history of Johnny Comes Marching Home, actually, because I'm, I think there's more of an anti-war oh, history sure. there. Most, so I think, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. Most most songs that are used for that, you know, Born in the USA, for instance. But it's not like they picked up some Beatles songs. Right. right. That's you true. know, and, and that was the thing about that. The film didn't have any current music yeah. in it at all. No. Well, I think that also goes a long way to making it as timeless as it is. Yeah, I um, agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Tim, I'm sorry. You were about to say something about the music of this film? 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, in the supreme asshole move of, of me being a dick during the sound thing, uh, were you guys discussing the, <laughs> were you discussing the, like, the efficiency of, like, the Vera Lynn song at the end? Sure. Or, like, the, uh, like, the emotional effect of it? Go for it. What do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I actually was kind of struck by that, that in conjunction with the, uh, with the mushroom clouds, it kind of, it was such a somber ending to such a funny movie. Yeah, um, it's it the ultimate ironic twist. Immediately on music, right? stopped right. being a comedy really for me. Serious ending. Yeah, it really it immediately stopped being a comedy for me, and I would, I just <sighs> thought that was what I still smile at that. Like, oh, well, we're still well. Again, this Sean. Is Sean. <laughs> Sean, we worry about you. <laughs> I don't have access to physile material. Yeah, Sean Kaczynski, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean like that, that transition, like being a comedy the whole time and then going into that music to me, that is still that starship troopers tongue in cheekness of like, guys, this is really stupid. And like, this is where we'll end up. And like, I don't, I still take that a little bit lighter than I think you guys are. Hmm. I do. No, I, I see no, your point. Yeah, no, no, no. Absolutely. Uh, I, I guess the, the thing that actually, cause it was, it wasn't. Uh, really diegetic. The the yeah. reason it was so somber to me, it was the fact that it was just actual test footage of all the <laughs> nuclear yeah, yeah. when you start uh, thinking about yeah. that we've had, and just that set to uh, set to Vera Lynn is right. just it's extremely poignant, and it's just like fuck, we're terrible people. <laughs> it's disconcerting. I, yeah, it's just you know. I think that's. I think you're supposed to feel it was a many things. It yeah. was a stark reminder of the reality of like the possibilities of this farce. Yeah. You know, in the hubris and stupidity of man. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is we haven't been blowing up nuclear bombs in the air like that for yeah, yeah. probably longer than most of us have been alive. Not in a long time. Not but long when we time. were, we were doing a lot. <laughs> That's right. Well, we still can measure the radiation wow. left over from Yeah, where's that fucking island at or Bikini whatever? Bikini Atoll. Yeah, the Bikini Atoll. There's a yeah. lot of them around there, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, there was, and there was hundreds, hundreds of them in, in, in yeah. the Nevada desert. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah in the Nevada desert, was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nevada, New yeah. Mexico. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I thought it was New Mexico too, but yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. The, um, Beautiful country. I run, uh, the the Bikini Atoll Island, we took all the fissile material, all the fallout, and put it onto one big landfill and put a big concrete thing on top of it. And, and the concrete dome, I think, is cracking right. or something. <laughs> yeah, the concrete dome is cracking. And it, by the way, all the guys who were cleaning it up are all like yeah. dead of cancer. Oh, straight up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You see Chernobyl? <laughs> yeah, it, that's what's so crazy is that is our Chernobyl. We, no one talks about that. But anyways, let's get back to that. Let's, yes. let's get back to yeah. the salt. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I do think that the background score or the background score, the background sound in many ways is also really interesting and, and it does add the similar kind of surrealism. Uh, one really great moment I thought was the couch scene with Mandrake and, and uh, Ripper and they're talking and it's, he gets closer and closer and hugs him and it gets more uncomfortable. And the whole time we're listening to machine gun fire around us, mm. left and right, panned left and right as background sound. And I just thought that added extra tension, extra oh, yeah. awkwardness, extra surrealism. You know, without that, it, it's... It, it doesn't have quite the, you know, the added um, immediate tension. Yeah. Yeah. What about the persistent uh, aircraft noise in the aircraft? <laughs> sure. I mean, I have that, you know, that there's all constant. kinds of, I bet they didn't quite realize it back then, but the infrasound now, you know, lower than 20 Hertz mm. stuff really does fuck with you and makes you uncomfortable, scared. There's a reason why they use it in a lot of horror movies. And how dramatic the change was when he opened up the, oh, the, the bomb bay doors, doors and how cool. it changed dramatically. And 
That was interesting. I, I yeah, like I think it, it, we've kind of, you're right, forget a lot of the subconscious elements of the background sound, I mm-hmm. think. But it does a lot. Even when I'm on a plane, I just naturally, like when I'm on a plane and you're hearing that, mm-hmm. that does something to you. And sure. And maybe it makes you tired too. I would oh, well, I sleep with a fan. So like that is when I'm, a, you know, a white noise white type noise, of person. White noise, white noise. Yeah. yeah so the, that those, those types of things are always like that lulling into like that sense of just kind of comfort and like, um, you know, drifting away. You know, it's, it's so funny you say that because I looked over at Tim hoping he wasn't asleep mm. because remember the other time he fell asleep? Do you remember what film we were watching? Paz of Glory. Paz of Glory. No, no, no. And during and that opening why? scene, I remember thinking, I'm not going to fall asleep during this because this is way fucking better. <laughs> but Paz of Glory, this is actually bringing up a really great point because Paz of Glory, the reason you fell asleep, I think was because of the droning artillery of World mm, War One. It, it was, of, it yeah, was the monotonous. droning artillery of, of, of that, but also, man, we had some fucking long takes that sure. did not need to oh, yeah. be okay. so long. So, 1917 uh, going on there? Uh, uh, <laughs> and I thought actually the sound, and we're going to get to this when Sean talks about some of the shots, but the sound from some of the uh, the invasion shots, not the invasion shots, when they're defending the actual base are really, really different from Paths of Glory. Right? Mm. Paths of Glory are those wide shots where we're walking, we're watching them go over the top and go through no man's land. And then sometimes we have those tracking shots through the, uh, the the trenches, but this is like shaky cam, machine first gun. person, machine guns right next to you. You are in the moment. You are in the war. That one shot where they enter and they're coming in and the jeep comes out and the guy is running and he ends up getting mowed down. Right. Really realistic. That's mm. what I kind of, yeah. Fantastically, I mean, it was brutal, really. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, and I thought there was such a stark contrast from, again, not that long ago when he did Pass of Glory. So I think to me, he's, he's understanding war in a more realistic sense and the guttural real, you know, before it was more glory and heroism. Now it's, this is gross. And it was a fantasy. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other sounds? I guess I would say that I liked the reverb in the war room. I thought that was really nice. It was natural, beautiful yeah. reverb. So it how much like of the movie room. was looped? Ah, thank you, James. <laughs> well, first of all, what is looping? Tell me. Uh-oh. Uh, so for know. all the audience members out there who are not <laughs> in replacing the film. Also the for Tim. Replacing one <laughs> word with another. Looping, yeah. So the slang term, the cool man's way of saying ADR. Ah. Replacing the, the old school. I'm in the know now. <laughs> Right, cool. because they would literally loop this the same shot over and over again, and you would say it over and over until you got it right. I see. Anywho, so what what did you notice that was obviously well, the totally only correct. one that I really noticed that I was uh, that it catches me is the Vegas Dallas one. Aha. Uh-huh. What? Why would they change it from Vegas to Dallas? Oh, that's right. Yeah, because it was a mm-hmm. sensitive time. Or sorry, Dallas. Dallas to Vegas. Yes, Dallas to ah, Vegas. What What could have happened in see? I think that I think that Kong is a shit kicker. Right. He's not a Vegas kind of a guy. He's a Texan. He's yeah, a yeah. he's a hill. You know, he's not a hillbilly, but he's a Texan. He's a shit kicker. He's a rancher. Sure. Uh, right. So Vegas is way off his radar. Yeah, yeah. It, it throws you just so from he's, context. You you watch him say the word he's saying, Dallas. Mm. Yeah. Being a first time viewer, I didn't really notice anything. And you wouldn't but, always notice it. Exactly. I think, unless you're so, paying but, a close attention to it. Yeah. But it is intentionally. Uh, I, I, replaced, well, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, does anybody have anything on why? <laughs> I think you were about to tell us. Did you look it up? Yeah, JFK yeah. was uh, assassinated in Dallas, guys. I don't know if you, know, not, know, if you know this. Not that long before this picture happened. Right. right. And I, guess, I mean, obviously, we don't realize how sensitive that was. I think the only thing we can compare it to is 9 11. 
Like yeah. you wouldn't make a, a random Shatters reference the to the twin. It's like saying I'm going to make a reference to the twin towers in my movie right after 9/11. Mm. Everyone's going to think 9/11. They're not going to think, oh, it's just two buildings. Except so like, that the mm. whole country was in shock. Right. Yeah. right. Well, 9/11 was yeah similar. So, yeah, the so, New Yorkers were in shock. The rest of the company was like, yeah. well, that was fun. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'm because I'm from Philadelphia. It was a little closer to home, but. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel like that is uh, 9-11 is definitely the the defining moment of our generation. Like coming from a more right wing background, or like, you know, at least my parents being more conservative. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was a huge deal. Yeah, well, it's a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. Yeah. Sure. I mean, think about how many people signed up to go to war. Well, it just changed everything. It changed everything. My two my neighbor, my they were both twin twins off to the Marines. Jeez. Yeah, let's go. Do you fit in the bag? Um, Crazy. Okay. Anyway. But, like, but now how I, <laughs> would it be okay to, it, I mean, just thinking is Vegas okay now? So is that, ah, is it enough time? Because of the shooting. Yeah. Is it enough time since one of the worst mass shootings ever that well, we could. Unfortunately, so yeah, unfortunately Sean, that can you really pick someplace yeah. that hasn't had one? Yeah. yeah. But I think the, the point is that laundry list of things actually, from my perspective, would be much more appropriate in Vegas than Dallas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the, just the idea that True. you could take all that shit and have a good time in Dallas. I think yeah. Dallas is, and Vegas so were very different places. They were yeah. very different places, but he was saying, hey, the truth of what he was saying is, well, I could have a great time with all that shit in Dallas. Sure. So yeah. just, um, I think that Vegas was actually very, very small. Exactly. It much smaller than That's Dallas. True. Yes. It was yeah. a tiny little town. It wasn't. It it's hadn't... only recently been booming. Well, well the past I mean, 30 years, 20 years. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Vegas was still a small little operation yeah, sure. back then. So, yeah, I think yeah. it was a weird change, but mm. uh, I think a lot about the Johnny Cash song Jackson because I'm going to Jackson, you know, to to spend my money. I'm like Jackson, Jackson, <laughs> really? That's where you're going? <laughs> but yeah, that I mean, there were there were cities like that, you know, where there were just specific Jackson had the casino, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You know, well, yeah. When you're from nowhere, anywhere is good. Exactly. So I yeah. think they, 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 t- you're perfectly on the nail on the head there with the shit kicker, slim pickings. Dallas is everything to him. Right. But right. I think it's a good place to hide it because it's a laundry list. So it's like if you're going to hide ADR, yeah, yeah. Do blah, 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 blah. Oh, but, quickly hide but it. But, <laughs> you know, it was a choice because a lot of that laundry list was off camera dialogue. We sure. heard it. So, I mean, they could have, in fact, True, that, that could have been off yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and made made their own lives easier. But what you really it, want to see the joke. You like, know, you really do. And it's a great, it's the classic, fantastic, I think it's the most fantastic laundry list of, uh, 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 name another one that's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just works. Yeah. You know, it just works. It, it is great. The, the, the gum, all the, yeah, all the yep. little things oh, that you yeah. get. Yeah. Gold. Everybody's business is yeah. Pills. spot on. Yep. Yeah. You know. uh, I, I love the little details too about, I mean, this isn't <laughs> quite rubbers. good sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The prophylactics. Yeah. yeah. Two everyone gets, nylons, the, everyone gets their own envelope. Yep. Everyone gets yeah. their own package of stuff, right? The gunner gets his stuff. You know, the pilot gets his stuff. The top secret. Yeah. <laughs> so Data, at the, at the yes. risk of immortalizing my stupidity on the internet, uh, what were the, I didn't understand like the stockings and the lipstick thing. I, I like, assume is that that's just in case they have to go and drag. Well, no, I assume that's all for bartering. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, nylons were a very big deal, especially during World War time because you couldn't get them because they were being used for all the, I think it was, they, they were being used for like harnesses for um, airplane, uh, uh, for. Uh, uh, they're called parachutes. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, all of the <laughs> nylon was going to straps and things for for okay. the okay. Uh, air people. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, let's go with that parachutists. He's almost he's on his way to a turkey, ladies no, and gentlemen. There's a goddamn term for it. I just can't. Yeah, yeah, no, paratroopers. Yeah. Paratroopers. That's what I was looking for. I uh, want air people. I don't no, care. Air people. Yeah, air people. Well, air we got the space force now, so we're oh. pretty close there. Oh, Christ. No, yeah. those would be the space people. No. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but either way, uh, nylons were a very hard thing to get. I assume the same thing was true with lipstick for some mm-hmm. reason, but I assume those are just barter items. Interesting. And maybe Interesting. a little chocolate. I don't think there was chocolate in there. There I was think that gum, goes, but yeah. Gum, yeah. Gum. And money. Yeah. And money. pills. Oh, yeah. Rubles and pills. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amphetamines as mm-hmm. well. Yes. I thought that was interesting. Uppers, downers. Yeah, yeah. the whole bit. Because well, that, that I mean, was such a common thing back then. Yeah. That's standard issue for yeah, uh, pilots, though. Yeah, they still have them. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't I thought that's what you want to go sure. in the Air Force. I mean, yeah. They used to sell yellow jackets at the gas station. Exactly. They yep. give them amphetamines yeah. to fly because yeah, they fly like 20 hours. Yeah. Right? Fair. Fair. They uh, also do actually fly better. They've done tests where they like do fly better on the drugs, unfortunately. Well, I yeah, think they're dude. trying to <laughs> take it away now. But I don't know the whole deal. And only certain people get it. Well, now it's going to drones. Uh, so like you can just right. shift off and like someone else takes over the drone every two hours. Yeah. You can take a pee break and a fucking full lunch. Like, um, So let's get back to the sound really quick. Get so we can exactly, yeah. Oh, shit. Hold my game, guys. What did you guys... Um, Ah, this is going to be such a non sequitur, but I did want to mention one thing about the radio when Mandrake brings the radio in and mm-hmm. plays uh, some of the music on the radio. Again, not contemporary music. True. But when was Very that timeless. music from? I, it was all like 20s, 30s, jazz, big band stuff. Jazz, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But like it just some, didn't feel contemporary to me. I think no. there's a timeless quality to yeah. all of this movie. And I, I, I mean absolutely. that in such a weird way. Like even the... The B-52s, the guns in some ways, the the way they do everything, it feels like it could still work. Maybe not today, but in 1970, 1980s, 1990s-ish. You know what I mean? It, it does have this quality where it doesn't quite date itself. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I've I never questioned- socially relevant, too. Oh, absolutely. That's a, yeah, totally. I've never well, even thought about yeah. or questioned, though, the out-of-timeness of the music on the radio. It's a black and white movie before my time, so that music just always seemed fine until you just pointed it out Reckon now. So, I never yeah. really realized that that was like you know a good fifty years out of place for well, most I, of that I, music. It's just a weird. Yeah, no, I just noticed you're, it. You're totally it's right. like, oh, there's no contemporary music. For yeah. But then again, what when was that supposed to be? I assume that was supposed what do you to be. Think? Honestly, what do you think? Well, I I don't know fifty five or. Uh, 58 I or something? I don't know. I a little earlier than it really yeah, was. I assumed it was the present day. Because it could be. I, I, I don't know. I, I saw it maybe even in the future a bit because it seemed like they yeah. were almost better. Like the, the one thing I thought that was really crazy was the way the missile came and was just like deflected. Oh, I, don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't quite sure if even we still have that. I don't know if that technology is quite the way that it works. It didn't deflect though. It went in front of them and blew up. That and was that's a, what it was, it was two miles at. away, by the way, then exploded and hit them two miles away a little bit. Yeah, crazy, but it whatever. Kind of felt like a nuclear bomb in a way. Yeah. Didn't it? it did. But two it, miles yeah. goes quick at those speeds. And turbulence sure. and air I, well, disruption. I went with it. I wasn't. And you too. heard the last you heard was two miles away. There you go. True. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, how they handled that whole situation was also they were also calm, so trained. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so it's the amphetamines. Uh, I don't know if they had d- if they were doing amphetamines at, at that stage. <laughs> I don't know. No, but I mean, That's they training. just they just did it. Yeah, no, there was yeah. no panic. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought that was interesting because well, they you seemed listen- like a pretty well-oiled machine, even though they were all really different yeah. dudes. Yeah, well, I mean, you listen to like any of the old space program stuff and like the test pilots and whatnot, right. like as they're going down and they know there's no way they're going to survive, they're still thir- 1,300 knots. 1,500 knots, 1,800 knots. You know, they're just there's not, rattling there's off only numbers. There's so much with, you can do exactly. in that situation. Yeah. And also, at that point, at that level, it you've become, had such training yep. that you just, you know, you're, you're a machine. You know, you just do what you need to do. Yeah. You know how to push those feelings of, like, panic and shit away. Well, I think that's also a coping mechanism, too, because, like, it's easier to, in, in more, and, uh, less stressful and, to concentrate on these numbers clicking rather than screaming that your hair is on fire and you're going to die. Well, additionally, it takes a certain type of personality to to get to that level True. anyways and to want to get to that level. Yeah. And, like, to little marshmallow people like us. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, but uh, that kind of person probably doesn't really even think about that. I, um, that moment, you know, I talked to one of gotta my- Gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. I talked to one of my students who is in uh, one of the boomers, one of the submarines that has nuclear mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, missiles wow. on it. And it was just interesting how he was telling me, you're right, it's kind of a type of person who has to be able to live there for a long period of time because you don't even have your own personal space. Like yeah. even your own bed, your bunk is pretty much on, one on, one off. You know, so it's mm. a shift on, shift off. You don't have your, like on other, like a car, like if he was on a, new, a carrier, you would have a little bit, I think, of space, yeah, yeah. Like his own bunk, mm. but no bunks on a sub. And I think it's similar in that way in the B-52. It's like maybe not quite as long, obviously, but it's a long period of time in a small cramped space. It is extremely stressful. Yeah. And I thought actually the way it was shot was kind of cool, especially when you mentioned the explosion, the handheld stuff, walking through, going through the tiny little cramped tunnels, yes. sitting with, you know, uh, Slim Pickens. It kind of was re- one of the most realistic, I thought, displays of what it's like to be in a bomber. You mm-hmm. know? Totally. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Slim Pickens, the character that he was playing, was a typical, highly intelligent uh, air- aircraft pilot? <laughs> no. <laughs> Because, I mean, I would think that in today's, even mm-hmm. in then, just uh, yeah, Air Force, yeah. I don't think Slim Pickens would ever make I don't think you're allowed to I take would, your mask off and I put was, a cowboy hat I on the middle of a flight. I was snagging some heavy Randy Quaid in Independence Day vibes. <laughs> great you know? call. Great call. Great yeah. Call. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I think mean, he would rise to that level of rank being that silly. Know, well, it's a huge caricature, but like if you watch like the right stuff or some of those movies, those guys were kind of cowboyish, like especially the test pilot guys. That's they true. were fucking, yeah. you know, they were cold as ice and fucking, you know, serious business, but they were like, you know, a little bit out there in that Slim Pickens yeah. sort of. Well, and Slim Pickens was such an important part of like cementing in the first act that this is a satire and it's a farce because yeah, yeah, totally. he goes down and he's, you know, he's fiddling with a, with a combination on the black box of the fucking B 52 bomber. It's just a and what's he pull out? He pulls out a goddamn cowboy head. Yeah. Whatever, man. I don't know. I like my description better, <laughs> but no, he messes around with the combination lock on the safe, you know, and he pulls out a fucking cowboy head. It's great. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a total tone setter for the movie. Uh, something that it is a little annoying. Top Gun does this too. Hmm. Whenever you're a fucking fighter pilot or in any sort of pressurized vessel, yeah, you, you take need to put your, your mask goddamn off. mask yeah. on. You can't yeah. take your mask off. I, well, they were flying so low. Well, that yeah. fine. Okay, the, I'll but take only that. after That's the explosion. Yeah, you still, need, you still need oxygen. And, the, the other yeah, but if there was oxygen the- in that airplane when that explosion went off, the whole pl- the whole thing would have gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The B-52s flew at such heights that it was like, it was always below freezing. Yeah, they freezing. were pretty low. Like, 
No, it depends. I think they got low at that point to go below the radar deck, but they don't normally fly low. They're huge. They're, yeah, they're, they're high altitude. Yeah. Mm. They would fly at such high altitudes that the pilots up there, their hands would freeze. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Sure, it's like 40, of course, they've 50, been modernized. <laughs> they have been. Yes. They have Reckon been. so, yeah, yeah. But you're right. In the 50s, it was like that. It's really ridiculous. It's cold as balls up Crazy there. Crazy. Yeah. Pilots- well, they're only like 10 and years no out of right. dropping bombs out of the side of a biplane. Right. Like, <laughs> eh, not 10 years. But, uh, 20. <laughs> they didn't really do that in World War II, but- a little bit. They were beginning bar. The point is that uh, you're right. It's crazy. And um, <laughs> let's get to what I was trying to segue to earlier, which was the way that they were shot. Mm. I think that- uh, A lot of people were shot. Uh, no, I, I can't raise the button. I liked how the, the director of photography, I don't know who it was, used a lot of different techniques in this. Yeah. It was yes. just not, wasn't one style. I thought it was a- uh, a wonderful. It was. It was very natural. I love the perspective. It was almost always just an easy perspective to watch it from. Uh, I didn't think that they used the camera work to 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 fiddle with the tension of the scenes. I think they really left that to the actors more or less. Mm, there was uh, some stuff, bit, but not you know the you zooms. Know, I thought there were some zooms in. Uh, now it's kinda. the same cinematographer on Paths of Glory. Mm. Oh, yeah. To me, to me, the and zooms were more, more about attention than they George were about uh, attention. Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't know. I, I, anyway, I liked. I liked it was steady uh, quality quality work. Definitely, I, I think you're right about the different styles for sure. You know, just the different locations. The, to think about how you're right that the the it was shot in uh, Stryker's office versus the plane versus the war room. Right, it's just very different tone styles, and it was smart. You know, you don't have to shoot all one style. No. I think it, it yeah, it, I think a lot of people do think that they go, oh, I, I have to be Roger Deakins and be Roger Deakins the whole movie, or mm. I have to do noir and do noir the whole movie. I, you know, you can mix it up for different stuff. Yeah, black and white, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um, I, as I've said, I've seen this movie a number of times, and obviously, you know, people can do entire like thesis programs on this movie. Um, but the one thing that really struck me in this viewing was really how small this movie is. Like the the locations, there's only a handful of locations. There's only a, we're mostly interiors in like one or two rooms. We don't move around a lot. There's a couple of exterior shots, but it's not like we're traveling around. Around the world that's like one shot one angle another shot another angle and we're mm-hmm. outside of a building and then we're going to go back in everything is very very simplistic and very controlled economical yeah. exactly and it yeah. works perfectly but yeah I, I never it never occurred to me until this my like even the CGI viewing. The, mini, yeah. <laughs> no, the miniatures in this yeah. yeah I thought it was CGI at first because well, you know I was born with a cell phone in my hand I guess yeah exactly but uh uh, that, that was another thing that st- stood out to me in this viewing is that we were watching a Blu-ray Criterion version of this, and this was probably the crispest I've ever seen the airplanes flying. And yeah. it definitely looked a lot more fake in this screening than most of the other screenings yeah, I feel that I've goofy. seen. Yeah, it felt very like almost airplane. Like um, the yeah. it had yeah, a very sort of cheesiness to it. And I feel like the other viewings I've seen when I've seen it on film and theaters and things like that, it didn't feel as hokey as it did in this really crisp copy we were watching. That's the problem with resolution, folks. Yeah. A crisp picture does not a beautiful movie make. But I don't think it was necessarily distracting or um, 
I don't know, taking away from the movie at all. Um, obviously there's a lot of, of great visuals. Um, but you know, like I said, the, the biggest thing is that that simplicity, you know, we stayed in very wide shots for long periods of time. And as James said, you know, we kind of let the actors play. We let the actors have those space. Like the war room was mostly big wide shots of the whole war room, seeing the big board and everything. And, you know, then we'd go to a really tight close up of, you know, real intense tension. And then we'd back out to a wide shot. It like really just bounced between these, like see everything and understand where the fuck we are and what's going on. And then boom, we like really need to understand who the fuck this guy is. But then, you know, it's kind of the interplay between everyone that was more important than really fanciful cinematography even though Kubrick has a big reputation as being a, you know, a cinematographer, director type guy, uh, this, even though it's innovative, I would call him innovative, a a very visual director, you know, someone that knows a camera knows where to put it. He he also knows how to make it uh, blend seamlessly and not be distracting. So the camera was there and it made us feel the way we needed to, but we weren't conscious of the way that the camera moved. Um, I I agree with that. I brought up earlier 1917, which I watched recently. Beautiful movie, but the complete opposite. You're you're in awe of that movie because of what you know is happening behind that camera and everything that went into making this shot happen. The constant it, perspective versus the almost random perspective. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a huge difference there in your ability to kind of suspend disbelief and really engage in a movie there. And I think, you know, Kubrick really finds the the thread here where you can, you know, feel like you're just watching what's going on i thought the stuff that had scope work you know i thought that worked really well the yeah, what? outside the window yeah, yeah. Out the windows i thought that was pretty good i thought the shots of the airplane uh, with the weird sort of angle of camera the, the thing the it composited, really worked it did look it, was, it, looked it, hokey, it was bit, but it worked it was a bit odd i i i, I mean look we know today if they did it it would it would work it yeah, would yeah, it would work yeah. um that's yeah. probably the easiest thing to, I mean, like we said, this is such a small in scope movie that mm-hmm. you want any one of those shots would be yeah. super There's cheap no to do doubt They've figured out the cheapest possible way to, yeah. to, to get an acceptable shot. I really loved the opening stuff with the clouds and the mm-hmm. peaks. And I, and I've always thought about where the hell did they shoot that? Did they make that? Did they shoot that? Did they get stock footage? And, and how did they get all the, the, the fucking airplane footage? Where did that come from? Do they shoot that? Do they oh, go all up the for US a month? Air Force yeah. Or do they, do they license the footage from the Air Commons. Force? Yeah, that's all stock footage. I didn't notice those. any thank you to the U.S. Air Force, or maybe I'm wrong. I didn't no, no, I, maybe more of a fuck you. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think they have yeah. to. So, you know, it's like this the NASA stuff where it's all London. public domain. Like once it goes out there, then <laughs> they just kind of have access to it. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, you know, that that's part of the his being kind of on the outs with the American government at this point. Yeah. Um, they weren't too happy about this movie although you know it they kind of turned around when they let him shoot the moon landing what? but that's a whole different oh James, shut up now, oh, what, did you think of the, uh, what did you think of the insert <laughs> shots the birth of wes anderson which insert? the Just insert like the shots of the stuff? dials and switches mm. and so I thought on it was and great. so forth. I love that, that was, stuff. That was excellent com- like comedy and just like mm-hmm. you know but it also made it much more realistic. Yeah. Sure. yeah. 
Oh, totally. Even though uh, I'm sh- it's absurd, again, yeah. 16 different right. safety switches. Uh, uh, I totally. liked how that, three the, times zoom, around the and, zooms on everything yep. I thought was yeah. just hilarious. Yeah. And I just I, absolutely yeah. see how that influenced a lot of future <laughs> filmmakers. I thought it was funny and it added tension. It was it did yep. a double duty. Yes. It was, it was good. But it also added uh, the story element of the redundancy of things and sure. just kind of the yeah. overworking of things. And like, it also made it feel the way the system works pretty much. Well, you know, a lot of times you're watching a movie where uh, someone is flying a plane or, you know, doing a spaceship thing and you can just tell that they're just kind of flicking random buttons in some random order that doesn't mean anything. I felt like these guys were flying a plane and I felt like Mm -hmm. they were taking orders and executing those orders. Yeah. You know, and a part of that is just the close up with a very obvious fucking, uh, you know, tag on it that, you know, the guy says this over the speaker and we see this tag right over the switch that he's flipping and you know it it feels like you know intellectually when you just talk about it it doesn't seem like it would be much progress or interesting but watching it happen oh, yeah. you're just kind of like it's built a, yeah. into this sort of it's a reward it yeah. is a reward yeah. um i would also compare it to um like apollo 13 or other mm. rocket movies where they do a go no go for launch yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. boosters go this go you know communications go checklist it's yep. a checklist and it, it's you mentioned earlier with the laundry list it feels oh, good yeah. and especially when you see a physical and tactile response and it sounds cool and a light. Does that just go into like, yeah, the gamification almost of things? We just like like, buttons. We're just boys with toys. Well, we, the, the sort of like, execution of things like I, a thing is supposed to happen and that thing happened a thing is supposed to happen I think it also speaks even further to, to put it here maybe too metaphorically about the absurdity of the checklist and the order of things and then it can all go to shit because yeah, yeah. one crazy dude is obsessed with bodily That's, fluids yeah yeah right so you think of all this checklist the amazing detail and then mm-hmm. one nutball it's redundancy, all goes, it's redundancy all redundancy and yes right and, and that, that was really talked about earlier with George C. Scott when Mm -hmm. he mentioned plan R and all that. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, it just keeps selling it and selling it and adding to the absurdity of it. And that adds the comedy of it. James, earlier you mentioned black and white. We kind of just kind of glossed over that. Why do you think black and white was the choice for this film? And do you think it was a good choice? Well, I, it was a lot more, especially the exteriors were a lot, I felt they were a lot more stark. Okay. Uh, A lot more, uh, I felt they were more more re- more warlike almost. Yeah. It yeah. felt like uh, it felt a little more real to me. I think a lot of the sets also wouldn't have sold yeah. in color. The war room wouldn't yeah. have sold in color. You yeah, know, because that yeah. was like if you think about the set. I mean, basically, it looks like they just put it on a soundstage mm. and then let all of the black, you know, like all the black space be endless. Yeah. You know, to make it seem as big as possible. Well, and I'll tell you, I watched that. I think it was the Guillermo del Toro movie where he took good all try, the, good try. Yeah, yeah, good enough. Uh, where he took all the World War II footage, and, or it was a World War One in color. He like recolored everything, and he you know put voice because it was all silent. But he had voice actors come in and like I don't think read. I think it's Peter Jackson. Oh, Peter Jackson. Yeah, right? same the, difference. <laughs> try, <laughs> was that? What film was that? Uh, they some. They shall. Rem- oh, fuck. They, was they it any what? good? Um, it was 
okay. It was just weird. It was, you know, way overproduced and way overcolored. And what I was getting to is that like, yeah, it felt more real to see this black and white stuff. The colorization and the adding of the voices really just made it feel so much more fake and less real. And like they, you know, they, they do, they did like a 30 minute intro with him talking about it and how it was supposed to make us feel visceral and like, like these were real people. But I, I really lost all that. I think the black and white, yeah, it's like what we think so of real. How war. much money was 1.8 million bucks back in 1964? A lot of money. Yeah. Like, but like, what's the equivalent? Because yeah. that was the budget. Uh, I you know, guess they shot times, this for times 1. 10. Let's say times 10 times. Because my thought process is like one of the reasons I think they probably chose this for black and white, and it's, you know, it's bouncing off my earlier point, is the same thing with clerks. You know what I mean? Like when you don't have the budget for something and you have to compensate in certain ways, falling back on black and white can make yeah, uh, a, it can lower, cover a lot of shit. Yeah, I'm it sure makes, it was intentional. It makes it I'm look sure. a know. little more. So you, I, I think you, I don't know. I, I have trouble thinking that Stanley Kubrick didn't have money. I don't money. think it was the only, I don't think it was the only consideration. I just think that, uh, so, for, especially because of how much time we spend in the war room. It's about 10 million. So 10 million bucks. Yeah. That's not that much money, dudes. So it isn't that much money. Think about it in the war room in that when, when they, when strange love made his appearance Oh man! Right? through the lenses, right? Which were colored tinted yeah, yeah. lenses, yeah, yeah. but we could still see his eyes. Mm-hmm perfectly through yeah. them you know i thought that was very interesting and i'm not sure that would have worked when it, if it was a color thing i'm mm-hmm. not i just Maybe I, it was not. a gradation like that worked red glasses and, or something i thought that whole thing with them that close-up and the eyes coming through i thought it was very interesting i don't know why i, I yeah. i'm sure that they were doing that for a reason mm-hmm. they wanted us to see his eyes mm-hmm. yeah but that was cool yeah. Do you I think agree. it's um, is simple again? Maybe I'm reading too deep. Is is this as simple as Kubrick saying that this world is black and white? There's only evil and good people. They're not people are not it smart could, enough to see. Not, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. No, because yeah. he was a very heady out. guy. You yeah. know? No, I and, think, and you know what? Think about it, how how at the end it was very black and white in the sense that it was funny and then it wasn't. Oh funny. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's probably more than one area that we can see that in yeah so i I think there were a lot of reasons that black and white was the right choice for this movie Mm -hmm. um but the other thing is timelessness that's to me that's the biggest thing yeah it just holds up and there is no especially with that music being out of time as well there's not really anything that ties you to any specific thing also not being outside we don't see any cars we don't see any real cell phones you know or like radios are kind of the only real clue but even that is fairly timeless of the the mm-hmm. ones that they showed us yeah you know the other thing that was uh, that was different especially f- f- for kubrick picture is the editorial pace mm. okay uh i thought this was much faster it felt actually almost contemporary yeah, yeah. Uh, very uh, fast yeah almost yeah. especially I mean, with those insert cuts yeah you know, we've grown to grow to love this fast cutting yeah. that, and and this movie has it uh there's a few few moments where the camera lingers but i think it's very acceptable yeah. and it's a very natural pacing yeah which yeah. i i, I, well, I, I like. think he kind of like knows what comedy needs yeah, yeah. you know comedy well, needs it's a all about the timing speed. Isn't it? yeah. yeah well and that that's also i think one of the reasons this is one of my favorite kubrick movies um i'm not a huge fan of most of kubrick's other movies um i've still not i've never gotten all the way through 2001 Move this yeah. um, i would say oh, God. 
This one, Clockwork and uh, Full Metal Jacket, are the three that I really love from Kubrick. The rest, I Shinning? The Shinning is, is below those three. Don't certainly, make me hit it on, again. On, you know, on Paul. <laughs> no, I won't hit it again. But you know, like I said, like Clockwork or Eyes Wide Shut, or you know, these things are like a slog to get through. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to really kind of dedicate yourself to wanting to finish that movie. You didn't like Barry Lyndon. It's, yeah, That's not I mean, a Sean film. Exactly. Come on. I like, can tell you that. With its 1.0 oh, it's lenses. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with candles. Exactly. I, I love the, the sort <laughs> oh, of technology behind it and the thing and the you know the talks about Barry Lyndon. Oh, it's but yeah, I can't ter- all that's watch interesting. Fucking all the Barry movies are terrible. With German oh, spy lenses. God, exactly. yeah. it's terrible. I think Sean also to be just because I know you personally, oh, I yeah, think I have I no think, patience for shit. <laughs> well, that's true too. I was just gonna say the fact that you need comedy. You need a movie with with some funny. Um even not even comedy, just not taking itself completely there you seriously. Go. I think that's, mm. that's, 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 that's fair. That, that's and fair. That, to me, that's like the difference between Clockwork and 2001. So Clockwork is very serious, but there's moments of sure. extreme levity. Yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah. uh, uh, 2001, I haven't made it far enough to find any comedy, <laughs> but... <laughs> there's um, if, yeah, there's mm. some, if you think Hal is kind of funny. Mm, mm. Yeah, that, yeah, no. But there's no violence. Mm. Oh. Not even ultra-violence? Well, certainly no ultra-violence. <laughs> Well, the, the Hal is sort of violent. Very, very, I don't know. Is it favorite. violent? Uh, no, it's not no, violent, but the, there's <laughs> deaths. Deaths, mm. but yeah. All right. No, it's like watching the death, death stars blow up. You know millions of people are dying. but Yeah. Independent contract. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't do that, Dave. So one other thing I-, I'm, I sorry, oh, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah. Are sorry, Dave. Are we at a yet? No. Oh, okay. Never mind. You want, well, go ahead though. If you got, I, just, I already forgot my errata. I was going to bring up a, a random element, but uh, Peter Sellers' glove. Do you guys know it. where that came from? It Peter Sellers' glove as Doctor Strange Love has one black one black glove. Oh yeah, the rogue Nazi hand. Yeah, I thought it was a reference to Michael Jackson. I thought it was a reference. Thirty to years Star before Wars. it happened. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bad joke. <laughs> it was a reference uh, to Empire. So I mean, he's got yeah that Doctor Strange Love in itself. We didn't quite dive into honestly. Yeah. Um, he's an interesting character. He's mm. fantastic. But the story I always heard was that um, it was never part of anything. Peter Sellers was just on set and looked over and saw the gaffer fucking with a light. <laughs> and he saw the black glove that the gaffer had. And he said, hey, give me that. And he just put it on and started the whole fucking hand thing came from that. Wow. The whole, <laughs> he just made up the whole Pretty, rogue from Nazi art. what I understand, Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> that doesn't really surprise yeah. And that was, yeah. it, so that was the basis for uh, young Frankenstein, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that was just every every time that his arm was acting up, I was thinking yeah. of the of the colonel or whatever from young Frankenstein. I'm sure Peter Sellers got it from somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah, I feel like that's a vaudeville thing. Yeah, right? it's got to be. I mean, well, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on from that since we're talking about the amazing performances. <laughs> well, let's move on to the best performances of 1964, the Oscar game. Ooh, yeah. It's called Guess okay. the Oscar. It's called Guess the Oscar picks for now. Yeah. Okay. So we're just going to go right into it. Let's go to Best Actor. Mm, the nominees Peter we Sellers. have Peter are Peter and Peter Sellers. <laughs> Uh, as all those three people. Wait, uh, did he get nominated for yes, all three? All three. But I mean, does he get three separate, separate nominations? No. Okay. no. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, exactly. So Peter Sellers <laughs> in. It's a three-way tie. <laughs> exactly. So who's nominated Peter for that? Sellers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How could you not? I we mean, have <laughs> Peter yeah. O'Toole as Beckett. Boo. Yeah. 
or sorry, as, as King Henry, King Henry the II. Winter. Wow, he plays King Henry II again. Oh, wow. In another movie called Beckett from about Thomas Gray. Maybe it's better. Probably is. Richard is Burton. Is that the Ted Danson show? Richard oh, Becker. Burton. In Becker. what picture? In Beckett, same movie. Oh, wow. He plays Thomas Beckett. Rex Harrison for My Fair Lady, which we should watch eventually. Maybe. Mm. And Anthony Quinn, Zorb the Greek. Mm. Who do we got, guys? So I'm going to go My Fair Lady. Rex Harrison. I'll go Zorba the Greek just because it, if I didn't, I'd go that yeah. way. Who, who was your guess? Zorba. Zorba the Greek. He said oh, Zorba Anthony, the Greek. Greek. Anthony Quinn. I'm going to go with uh, um, uh, Peter Sellers. The answer is Rex Harrison. Pish. Nice. Sean gets the Yeah, they don't recognize yeah. Very good. The Academy don't deal with comedy. Uh, yeah, they also that's true. are obsessed with musicals, I yeah. think, at this time. So Rex Harrison could That was sing. a big, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I think All Roberto right. Benigni is one of the few comic performances to win. I don't know if that was that was also pretty sad. I yeah, mean. yeah. But good point. All right. Uh, best actress, Kim Stanley, Seance on a Wet Afternoon, Debbie Reynolds, one of her personal favorites, the unsinkable Molly Brown, Anne Bancroft, The Pumpkin Eater, Sophia Loren, Marriage Italian Style, or Julie Andrews, Mary Poppins. Julie Andrews. Don't think she won for that. Debbie Reynolds. Who won Pumpkin Eater? Pumpkin Eater. And Bancroft. The answer is Julie Andrews, oh, Mary Poppins. Nice. Thank you, Thank you very much. Mm. Did you, you knew that? No. Uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, who would? Just a, I thought she would make one for uh, I mean, it feels like one of those Just things a pretty that good guess. Yeah. yeah. Best director. George Cukor for My Fair Lady. Peter Glenville for Beckett. Kubrick for Strange Love. Robert Stevenson, Mary Poppins. Or Michael Kakoyanis for Sorba the Greek. What was the first one again? Kukor. Kukor for My Fair Lady. I'm going that way. Uh, I was also going to go Kukor. Yeah. Well, you still can. You can yeah, pile I'm gonna, on. I'm going to pile on. Oh, you pile guys are on. all correct on the pile. Yeah. It's George Kukor for My Fair Lady. And I bet you he didn't win another one after that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guarantee we'll find out in another uh, yeah. show, <laughs> and only because it's just like, well, I guess uh, Academy loves musicals. Let's go with Kokor. Well, yeah. there's two of them happening there too, right? Ah, uh, well, good yeah. competition. Yeah. Best Picture: The Biggie, uh, Zorba the Greek, My Fair Lady, Doctor Strangelove, Mary Poppins, or Beckett. My Fair Lady. I'll go Mary Poppins. Beckett. Answer is My Fair Lady. Sean wins this game. Well, that we don't okay. have okay. That, that was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, now we get into our final section here about miscellaneous and errata. So we can mm. add any specific things we were thinking about throughout this entire intercourse. And while discourse. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and while, uh, yeah, I, I had, I had an errata. I had one. Was it erotic? Because I, I keep thinking about sex when I watch this movie. It's not an erotic errata. Did okay. you guys notice uh, George C. Scott's binder, what the, the title of the binder was called? <laughs> Top D Secret? What was it? Oh, no. it was something, about, something. something about manslaughter. Uh, oh, Megadeth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. World targets and Megadeth. Megadeths. I saw Megadeth. that and I, I never really put that together why the band Megadeth was called Megadeth. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Now. Now. Yeah. Well, at least I learned something. The only other line I wrote, wrote down is uh, the strange thing is they make such good cameras. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, I noticed George C. Scott has amazing nonverbal stuff going on. His grunts, his mm. little, oh, yeah. little things oh. there and there. He could do a whole movie without dialogue. Could, could we cast it today with Tim Allen? 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, you know what? Yes. <laughs> Again, I love how the first five minutes of, of his time in the movie was off screen. Yeah. 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 And, and it, we've learned a lot um, about him. Yeah. And then when he does enter, he is wearing a Hawaiian yeah. shirt and shorts. And like, yeah. Exactly. That was perfect. That, that, that costume was perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's got it open. Just yeah. the whole situation. It looks like he's in a cheap hotel. Yeah, and room. She's in a bikini, yeah. man. And she's with a fake tan. With the sun lamp. Thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we all kind of laughed when he did something small. He rubbed his. He, Patted his belly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He right smacked he, his he belly. smacked yeah. his belly. Because right he, he just was... got done taking a shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's talking about like, oh, yeah, he did plan R. He's planning on nuking the entire world. Yeah. Oh, let me uh, smack my belly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there it is. Well, yeah. it, it was like a, uh, a gorilla move. It's just, you know, that sort yeah. of alpha male fucking. Well, speaking of that, why did she call him in the war room? Oh, because she well, she's bored and she doesn't know. She doesn't know the world's oh, about yeah. to explode. Oh, yeah, and he told her he was going to be right back. Yeah, she was yeah. insecure about the relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's waiting to get fucked. And, and it, to it me, that was that's the great the moment that, up, like, that fills us in up. that the rest of the world, like, when all of this stuff does happen, we're all just going to blink and be dead because no one's going to yeah. tell us it's coming. Right. Like, we're all just, you know, we are all her waiting at home to get fucked, well, and quite literally in every way. From a screenwriting standpoint, and I'll preface this by... Uh, admitting that I don't get paid to screenwrite. Uh, <laughs> I have written things she, for screens. <laughs> the reason that she calls is because it's kind of a long scene and it provides a great comedic break That's for too. us. You know? And it also fills a page while somebody across the table is doing something that would... Uh, diegetically just take time. Yeah. Hmm. And this movie is almost in real time. So like, It is. No. Yeah. Yeah. And we, well, the thing is, is we stay in the room while yeah. they're over there. And instead of it just being the longest awkward silence ever, we yep. fill it with some comedy and, and also just, you know, kind of make this guy look like an ass. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's good screenwriting. Yeah. There. It's levels. There's a lot of layers to it. Yeah. I can't believe she got the number to the war room. How did she get that number? She's his secretary. Uh, like, yeah. that's an easy thing to do. Oh, okay. Still, it's the war room, guys. It's just, there's no I, fighting. There's a switchboard. <laughs> That is the, one of the best lines that come out of this movie, and one of the most classic. What? You can't fight in here. This is the war room. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty pretty good. One of the more on the nose. It was yeah, that was all great. I love the little spy cameras. There yeah. was a cute little touch. Oh yeah, yeah, that was nice. I loved just how the end, like he still was trying to get yep. the pictures, even after yeah. the whole world is exploded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's still trying to get the picture of the big board. And just That's how the, isn't that the most Russian thing you've ever heard? <laughs> this is that okay. Let's talk about That's that. First. So on the roof. <laughs> is this a, a Russophobic movie, Sean? Um, I think everything Western was Russophobic yeah, at that it's time. Definitely, yeah, anti-pinko, anti-communist. Definitely anti-communist. But this is, is right Russian. at the height of Andrew McCarthy's reign of terror, wasn't it? <laughs> Andrew, it's right in there. Old Andy Mac. The, the um, I don't think his name is Andrew. No, it's not Andrew. But either way, <laughs> I think uh, Andrew McCarthy's no, Andrew McCarthy is a beautiful actor from the eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the uh, other guy? Roy McCarthy. You know, I think it was anti-everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You know, yep. the, there was that other reference to uh, Mandrake by mm -hmm. the, yeah. uh, you know, where he was being called, a, I don't know, some, I don't know what the hell the words were, but uh, indicating that he was a prevert. Oh, the prevert. Yeah. A prevert. <laughs> Joseph McCarthy. Oh, yes. Of course. I, I just remembered the prevert line. Yes. Yeah. The way they yeah. used nuclear uh, 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 also was wonderful for me. Oh, I didn't pick up the, nucle the, the nu nuclear the, the nuclear part. That was gorgeous. No, that's nuclear great. Nuclear combat? No. Nuclear combat. Yeah. Yeah, and nuclear. who would have thunk how, like, yeah, I mean, even George Bush. 
<laughs> Come on. He was a Slim Pickens wannabe. Yeah, honestly, man, this is a mission accomplished fucking movie, dude. Mm-hmm. And did you pick up on the, <laughs> the names as I told you to, Tim? Okay, so I got Jack D. Ripper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Mandrake. And then the rest of the movie happened. Yeah. Mandrake, of course. I what, don't know what that is. What is a Mandrake? I only know the, it kind of from Harry Mandrake Potter. Mandrake root, which is supposed to be an aphrodisiac or a basically uh, old school Viagra. Isn't there an, no, like, it's, it's, a uh, Lord Mandrake from history as well? Uh, I thought Mandrake was poisonous. Oh, it's hallucinogenic. It can be. Dope. Mm, interesting. Uh, I, Magic rituals for contemporary Wicca and pagan stuff. Sounds like a pretty rock and roll thing, dude. But what was the uh, what was the what was the officer that com- that shot shot in the door's name? What was his name? He had a funny uh, name. Oh, they yeah. mentioned it twice. Yes, it was uh, Bacuano. Bad Bacuano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was looking at his name tag. I think Guano. I think Bat shit. Really? No, no. I think Bat yeah. was in quotes though. So I oh. think his name was Colonel Guano, and somehow along the way he oh, got yeah, the yeah. moniker Bat. Bat. Yeah, right. like, like, like King Kong. His name exactly. isn't King, but we right. call, they called him King Kong. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> That's great. Well, what uh, are the, the names? Uh, oh wow, the ambassador's name Ale- Alexei oh. Desadetsky. Oh, Sadistic. Oh, uh, and Sadistic. of course, the, the, the premier, Kiss Off. Kiss Off. Kiss Off. What about the president? Uh, was what was he? the president's name? What was the president's first name? Merkin. Merk- Merkin? Merkin? This is where no I learned way. what a Merkin was. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Merkin. Are you going to tell the audience Merkin what a Merkin Muffley is? <laughs> Merkin Muffley. Merkin Muffley. And what oh a my God. name, too. Oh, man. This, this movie is just, it, it's a masterclass in screenwriting, yeah, really. Because, yeah. like, this is just fucking funny, dude. This, this was one of the movies like I had comedy, to write, like, a, a report on in film school. So I just remember going through like all of those names and just dissecting yeah. it. Um, it was supposed to be a report on mise en scene, so I failed. Um, but you know, I it's still learned a mise en scene, mise en scene, Everyone pronounces is it different. C- it's French. Is it's the bullshit. C silent? Mise en scene? You're talking Meisner? No, I'm just being an idiot. Yeah, you're a horrible person. Yeah, I try. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this was not written by Kubrick himself. He did have another writer, Terry Southern. Okay. Um, I knew Terry Southern. You knew you Terry knew Southern? Terry Southern. Okay, please tell us. Uh, well, yeah. you know, Terry <laughs> Southern used to stay at our house in Beverly Hills. So when he'd come to town, he would stay there. And I would always go and hang out with Terry. He was a very, very cool dude. He uh, he also wrote Candy or wrote a book called Candy. Yeah. Which is a- Not about a, like the New York- Candy, right? It's no, it's a, it's about, uh, it's about child pornography, I guess. I, I, I don't okay. know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a storied tale. Anyway, anyway, Terry was a very interesting guy. Uh-huh. Uh, he would always bring me stuff to read, and he would bring me this porno, with the, like this little soft cover book that was his book called Candy. Wow. Uh, probably a copy of that. Uh, anyway, very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was, was a friend. Right? He was a friend of your dad. I think he was a friend of my mom and dad's. That's um, awesome. He'd come and hang out. You know, that, that was the point. We had uh, we had visitors, and he'd be one of them. What a cool yeah. story. Yeah. yeah, I'm reading a little bit about him now, but he seems like an interesting guy, kind of like a an ombudsman kind of guy. He did uh, what now? Well, he wrote ombudsman. some very interesting books too. You know, it was a. You know what that word means? I think it's a, a guy who's kind of like the center of attention. No. Mm. 
No. No. A Renaissance, <laughs> You're definitely a Renaissance using, man. Using that wrong. <laughs> I also got to hang out with Slim Pickens. Really? That's yeah. awesome. That was fun. That was on the on the set of uh, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Mm. And uh, we used to ride around on a buckboard all the time. It's a buckboard. What's board? It's yeah. like a it's a horse drawn carriage, old eighties eighteen hundred style. Oh, uh, gotcha. Uh, and we would just go cruising. <laughs> you know, he's not shooting. Just, you know, he'd drive the thing. I would drive the thing. Show me how to drive it. Son, quite That's, a life, sir. Yeah, man, for real. Shoot. Yeah, in Durango, Mexico. Yeah. Are there awesome. any other uh, actors in this movie that you knew? <laughs> yeah. uh, I did meet uh, 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 George C. Scott. Okay. He, he was married to uh, a woman that my dad made a movie with, and uh, Harry in your pocket. Oh. And uh, we met him. We all we all met everybody up in Vancouver, but that that was not the same. <laughs> Amazing, but he's very yeah, well, he's, for real. He was yeah, a huge actor at the time too. What what was he like, George Siska? You remember a little bit about him? Nope. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was a kid. Mm -hmm. All right, fair enough. Two arms, two legs. <laughs> he's, he's a, an old guy. He's a guy. He's a, he's a guy. I and remember he had him being a, tall. A younger wife. <laughs> mm. Didn't they all at the time? I don't know. I, I can you blame them? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And that's why they became actors. Mm. The rock started. <laughs> all right. So we've been kind of dancing around it, and I guess I really didn't want to have this discussion, but we uh -oh. kind of have to. And, you know, get a little bit topical. Mm -hmm. um, Nuke you, the whales. You mentioned how the New York article, how it's totally feasible back totally in the day. Totally feasible, and also, yeah, we live in a time when we may need to start loving the bomb. Okay, so. Well, is this a feasible possibility? Is is uh, mutually assured destruction still on the table? Well, or what, is nuclear war on the table? I mean, That's we're kind of just default, isn't it? We're kind of just out of this like crazy Bay of Pigs situation with Iran uh -huh. that just happened a few weeks ago. You know, which we are just a year or two out of the crazy situation with North Korea. No, don't, no, don't, yeah, I was about to say, don't forget North Korea. Yeah, they well, actually had nuclear weapons we're ready just, to go. We're just teetering on the brink of mm -hmm. something huge and shitty. You yeah, know? It, it only gets, gets worse from yeah. here and it's because it gets cheaper, it gets easier, it gets smaller, it gets more capable. Unless we lob a couple of them on those guys. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating when they talked about the doomsday <laughs> device in this movie, how they said it was not that hard to make. Yeah. It was like, yeah, anyone who has the, is in pretty much a new or normal nuclear power could do it. It's just Which you have to have three of them at the, time, the will to do it. Yeah, yeah you're right. But, and now that you mentioned, I was thinking, oh, well, Pakistan's got now, Israel's got now, North mm -hmm. Korea now. You know, so, I think the science that they talked about in that movie was bullshit. Which, oh, yeah, the thorium yeah. B. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, 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 and I'm not actually convinced that it, it would be all that easy because, you know, well, the other thing is, is like the number of nuclear weapons that we had compared to what we thought the Russians had was very different. Those numbers mm -hmm. were very, very different. Y you're and, right. And, but the, and the Russians were going broke trying to keep up, literally that's true, going broke. That's true. But so I do think the technology of the doomsday device is very easy to accomplish with what we had and have. Uh, all you need is the triggering mechanism that once a nuke goes Yeah, but goes you need off, a lot of nuclear bombs all over the fucking place, yeah, too. Uh, we it's not do, that many. Uh, I was just reading it really. What's I that? think our nuclear weapons are concentrated in very specific locations under the, under the water. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, you for, know, I mean, I don't just don't think yeah. that we have a whole shitload of nuclear weapons hanging out all over the place, so that if someone triggers on it, we okay, well, we're going to blow them all off. I, I see just, what you're saying. I, 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 the thing seems a bit. It would 
take a lot, guys. Yeah. I mean, what, it would a take, we device, shot yeah? off how many nuclear bombs while we were testing? It's true. Oh, thousands yeah, of the fucking things. But you know how what? strong were those compared to like hydrogen there bombs? There were some big we fuckers. Shot hydro- we, we've we shot hydrogen. We have yeah. huh? Castle Gi- Bravo. Gigantic. They're oh. huge. Point is, is like we blew off a whole shitload of bombs. Yeah. And, and so, still here. so in order to make it a doomsday level thing, yeah. you'd have to take all that and multiply it by like 10 or yeah. 20 or we 30. Can't use, we yeah. can't use I, I'm just not buying it. Okay, so they did, I literally read an article, how many nukes does it take to destroy the world? And, and what's the number? Let, let's actually One, ask. two, Let me ask you guys. Let's do a little guess. Sean, what's your number? Um, well, obviously, it depends on the size, but we're talking about like the largest the average, arsenal. Let's say, yeah, the B, whatever, 83 that we have in the U.S. Oh, let me check my schedule here. B, 83, right? Uh, <laughs> the average nuke that the U.S. has. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to guess uh, to, what are we talking about, destroy the Earth? Or? Yeah, so basically, the, the, eventually, all the nukes will scorch the sky and make we'll- make the world uninhabitable. Okay, yeah, and, and all the plants will die. Judgment day. Judgment day. Okay. What's your number? How many uh, nukes? Uh, 3,000. I say 10,000. Seven? It's 40. 40. 40 nukes. 40, 40 nukes. 40 nukes. Four, four zero? Four zero. 40. All at once. All at once. Hmm. If 40 nukes go off, we all die. Or one in the right place in Yellowstone. I don't think it's enough. Absolutely scientifically proven. Well, it's science, James. You can't argue yeah. with science. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, they prove it, but they've done, stu- they've done real studies. It was yeah. proven. Are these like airbursts? Um, <laughs> specifically airbursts? Well, yeah, it doesn't make a to... huge difference, but yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're trying to do the most damage to the most people, airburst makes the most sense because you're going to spread the uh, the dirty bomb, the, the nuclear material, mm. much further. So you're going to get less of an explosion on the ground, but you're going to kill more people with radiation in the longer term. Well, yeah. All you have to do is, is destroy the food supply. Basically. True. You know, you just have to make, sh- make it so we can't support. I mean, a couple of good bridges in California is going to have some problems. Either way. Thanks. I you think know, it's, it's a depressing topic, really. I mean, think about <laughs> it. All right, you know, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I, listen, I don't give a shit, but I, 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 it is kind of a depressing topic. And, it, and, and you know, I think that we've been closer to it than we all think we've been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I you think know, because we no, it is depressing. Well, the, the thing that sets us all at ease, I think, is that we've got real rational people with their fingers yeah. on, on these triggers. You're right. you and we did blow up two of them in Japan, you know, we killed mm-hmm. a lot of people True. with them too. True. Uh, I mean, we are the only I, ones to actually use them in aggression. I mean, we, we know how awful they yeah. are. Because we suck. Yet we continue to make them. Actually, I, th- I think we're re, re- yeah, they know the Russians are making some new ones. Yeah. Mm. I think we're making a few new ones. We're refurbishing a lot and we're decommissioning some, but yeah, I think we are making a few new ones. Because, you know, there's a lot of money in it, and we'd lose jobs if we didn't keep making yeah, them. Well, so go yeah. camping. TRW you camp. or whoever that is that's <laughs> making them. So what's the way to, uh, to to lower the amount of nukes worldwide? Just treaties? How do we do it? Well, how do we how do we put, take Talk our fingers off the button? I, I mean, mean it's, like, it's mad at this like point. At like, least a, a one cup of tea per day. Oh, you know, there's nothing we can do. No, give them there's an animal. Abs- give them like, all at this point, mushrooms. The machines, for a weeks. Are, yeah. Honest to goodness, yeah. Give everybody psilocybin and make them all sit and stare at their patterns of behavior. Well, no, you just sound like, like the commies in their fluoride. You're trying to zap me and my precious bodily fluids. Yeah, I, so, 
I, you know, I have no idea. Man. Well, eventually yeah. machines no, there's, might there's take really... over, right? So let's let's talk about the Terminator scenario. Do we here. want them to have access to nuclear power and weapons? Well, is the, are they? Is it safer to put that power in AI or some crazy Hell, Kim Jong? Uh, no. I well, think it, it, like every, the world would be better off if we had some sort of apex predator for sure. <laughs> Like an alien race coming. Yeah. To- that's- well, I mean, like even if AI, like your your AI uh, assertion, like you know, that well, would, I didn't that mean would like be silver, like a, a next a, a level humanoids. apex predator, though. No, if it was something that was able to keep us in check. Sure. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Elon Musk says, "If you can't beat him, join him." And honestly, that sounds like the kind of the only option we have at this point, which is basically becoming uh, integrated with the AI mm-hmm. and making them more an extension of our evolution than they are an adversary. So, yeah. I think it's interything. Have you, it reminds me of Ozymandias, the villain from The Watchmen. Have you guys <laughs> seen The Watchmen? I've heard horrible no. things. The television program or the the film? The film or the, oh, the graphic novel I'm referring to. But the idea is he's the, he he basically invents a fake nuclear bomb to go off in New York City to end the Cold War. Mm. So we have this outside external threat mm. that keeps us from fucking over each other. Kind of like what you said. We need that apex predator. Yeah. yeah. So the villain sacrifices millions of people in New York City to, to basically accomplish that. Mm-hmm. See, I think that was a very poignant moment in this movie because they talked about how uh, if you don't tell anybody that you've got this thing going on, it's not a very good deterrent, right? Yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah, we're well, just two we're days away from announcing it. You know he likes well, why did you turn it on already? <laughs> Hello? Uh, but so, Humorous yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Like, it doesn't work if you don't tell people. Uh, Godzilla needs to come. Yeah, Godzilla, aliens, you know, sea monsters, fucking Cthulhu. I'm kind of down what with would like happen a, on this like planet if some aliens AI babysitting scenario. Oh, I'm, I'm just here I'm already, just, but I'm here for this AI babysitting scenario. I see. Yeah, I'm ready for the end of iRobot, man. Mm. You know. Well, I do think that the the outside force, be it the aliens or the robots or whatever, would at least be unifying. Uh, there is nothing so unifying as a common enemy, and that was, um, you know, part if they're an enemy. Well, I mean, whether uh, you can benevolent. Yeah, but us us considering them a common enemy is almost inevitable. So I think that will be unifying. But you see, that's the thing. Maybe some people won't feel that way. Oh, certainly. But I think as a- No, there will be some weird robot Tories. Well, (laughs) I mean, just in a- We'll merge the shit out of it. (laughs) Just in a scale of thinking, like if you think about history and the evolution of like- land ownership into farming communities to towns to cities this is to our planet motherfucker Basically, yeah like once you once you realize that there's bigger no, things get that clean yeah you got sliced <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah yeah you better get that clean I can't, yeah i mean are you trying out for independence day the, the trilogy you can you should be the president one more, one more time this is our planet motherfucker this is our planet motherfucker it's almost a uh, Duke Nukem there. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. straight up perfect. And I can't wait for Nukem. that to be about. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. James Coburn is Duke Nukem. <laughs> it, it doesn't get much better. It's than perfect. That, it's guys. perfect. Uh-huh. All right, let's let's move on. Let's. Do you guys have any other errata? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I do. It's just filed deep, deep within, and no. I forgot. Is it like I, fifty-six stories? Honestly, up? No, is it in a mineshaft? 
It's yeah, it's deep within a mind shift. It's we have a mind shift years yeah. to come out. So a hundred episodes from now, I'm gonna bring up <laughs> this episode, and I'm gonna let you know what my errata is. You're gonna choose the ten women you get to breed with. Yeah, they were all really <laughs> good. <laughs> <at that. laughs> I You're agree ready to go. A little too oh, quick, absolutely. Even the question guy was like, hey, man, that's, yeah, a, that's a good idea. Quite, it, it unifies 1960s men with sexism yeah. and wow. misogyny. Yeah. Oh, maybe I was. So maybe it's not a, uh, an alien army that needs to invade, but it's like an, a, uh, an alien group of Amazons that just wants to fuck. Fembots. There you go. That's that will be the the unifying field theory of humanity. Hmm. Fembots. Everyone wants to fuck. Don't they live on Wonder Woman's Island? <sighs> Fembots. We call dream. Okay. Amazonians are from the Amazon, dude. Yeah, it's behind the mascara. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Under <laughs> the eyeshadow. Let's rate this film. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what is your rating for this film? Jesus, God. Um, as I said, it's I love this rating. movie. It's one of my uh, favorite, probably my favorite Kubrick movie. Um, I'm going to go with nine and a half. Nine and a half out of ten. Wow, that might be your highest rating. Uh, yeah, because I usually go on a scale of five, so definitely. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't um, yeah, but it. it I so mean, it's a four point seven. It'd be a four and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. This wow. is about as close to a four point seven. A great movie as I can kind of think. Not perfect though. It's me again. Zero stars and Name five stars movie. are. Unattainable to me. I think Sean uh, likes Empire to records. say <laughs> Back to the Future. I I would probably give me a fucking break. I would no, say no, Saving perfect. Private Ryan for me is one of my favorites. I would say Apollo Thirteen is a perfect movie. Apollo Thirteen's great. Apollo Thirteen's pretty fucking good. I can't think of a single scene in Apollo Thirteen that I'm don't that I don't enjoy. I still can't give Apollo Thirteen ten stars. It's it, like five stars, whatever. It's worthless to give. Like you shouldn't do that. To do what? What give it, give perfection it. is not possible. Yeah. Maybe. Are you the kind of kid that would never get like a hundred on his, like, like if you were a teacher, you would never give a hundred on the exam? Well, if I had some fooling ass teacher, they might give me a hundred or something like that. But if I, had a, <laughs> if I had, a, if I was the pupil of somebody instructing me, no, they wouldn't give me a hundred percent. Speaking of Apollo 13, did any of you guys see Apollo 11? The documentary? I did. I really yeah. liked it. No, what I did think? I, I was didn't. impressed. Kick ass movie, streaming? huh? Is streaming? Is this a new I thing? I didn't like it. You didn't like it. Did you see it in IMAX? Yeah, I did. Oh, and uh, you didn't like that? I didn't know what it was going in. And I don't think I saw it like the weekend that it that it opened, and so the entire it was a full IMAX theater. But about ten minutes in, we all kind of start side eyeing each other, and everyone in the theater is just kind of like looking at each other, it's trying to figure out how we're supposed to react. It's like, just new images, though. Well, it's a new way to to make a movie. It, there, it's a it's a it's not a documentary context. At no point does any narrator say anything. At no point is there like any sort of character development or story. Does it doesn't it need it. We already know what the story is. Totally understand, but had I known that going in, you I You wouldn't think, have gone in. <laughs> well, no, I, I, still, I still would have gone in, but I, I think I would have enjoyed it more and known how to enjoy it. I think so many of us in that theater were just so confused as to what this thing was that we were watching. We all just kept waiting for it to start. The entire movie just feels like the first it was, two minutes of a movie. It was one note. It exactly. was absolutely a description, a very non, non-wavering. Yeah. This is what happened yep and uh, i love the new visuals i loved uh, man i grew up then i was i watched nasa everything i possibly could this was shit i and i've looked at archives totally this shit i've never seen before so much of it it was like whoa how'd they do that you know i mean and 
So I, I thought I, yeah. I, I liked it. You know, anyway, I respect all of that, but to, I just didn't enjoy it. Back to where we were. <laughs> I mean, the music's going to get awards, by the way. Uh, the music was fantastic. This guy made all of the synthesizers from the 60s. So like, oh. he would only use 1967, 68. Synth- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's pretty amazing. But apart from that, um, let's go to, uh, I guess, your review, oh, James. Well, oh, my number, my, yeah, my let's rating. Yeah, review of uh, this yes. movie, Dr. Strangelove. Um, rating is the- uh, You know, I, go, I will I, go I four and a half stars. I'm, I, I really, I'm hard-pressed to find anything much higher than that. I'm sure there's a couple out there if I really put my mind to it, but I can go four and a half stars. I think it's an excellent film. I think it's very well acted. I think technically it's a, a superior grade film. Uh, the sound on it is, in fact, excellent sound. Every word is 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 well done. Even the looping is as minor as it is. I think it is also very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the persistent sounds. I like how they used how they changed when they needed to. Anyway, I thought it was a, overall a technically excellent film. Uh, I like the variance in locations, the way the different camera styles, the different looks. It was it was good. Does this hold up? Absolutely. If you were to show this to your daughter, you think she'd like it? Oh, how sorry, how old's your daughter for the audience? Yeah, she's she's a Marvel freak. <laughs> uh, she might under the right can you know, look, I, I it holds up it holds up a few I think it holds up if you have the right frame of mind. Uh yeah. I think uh, also the pacing of it is fast enough to keep a kid these yeah, days. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's very it's pretty like we were talking about earlier. Editorial is very, oh, is yeah. very oh, yeah. contemporary to me. And uh, it's funny on different levels. It's funny on visual levels. It's funny on character levels. It's funny on more intrinsic sort of punny levels. In like, yeah. it, it just kind of got these. The oh, attention span does not go wanting. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever you're looking for, you can kind of find it somewhere in there. Mm. Yeah, and I think yes. if we all really worked on it, we could find lots of metaphors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Mm. Uh, again, oh. I, I kind of agree with most of what you guys already said. I think it's it's a great movie. It's funny. It holds up. Um, it looks good. There's a few the dated shots. I really don't care about those, honestly. Like you guys were mentioning that, that, that it looks like Airplane. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I didn't mind. I not care. Um, yeah, Maybe in fact, Airplane ma- took their look from that movie. You're right. Possible. Yeah, it's totally true. No, it is. I mean, yeah. think about it. I it think is. that actually makes a lot of sense. Very much so. Sure. <laughs> sure. um, it's influential. There's a lot of great stuff here. But honestly, the best part is really just the themes and mm-hmm. thinking about mutually assured destruction, nuclear war in general, the absurdity of it. Uh, these are timeless themes, and these are themes that are still essential to human survival today. I know that sounds extremely melodramatic, but it's true. It and, is true. And it, the more we grapple with it, the more we'll be able to deal with it. So, uh, yeah, watch Dr. Strangelove and understand what it was like to live in Cold War times <laughs> and how ridiculous it was. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll learn a lot from it. With that being said, Tim, Timmer. time for your writing. Dr. Strangelove. You know, I, I, I think that this movie was a graduation for Stanley Kubrick, you know? I think that this was the conception, not the birth, but the conception of, of like, the avant-garde auteur that he became, you know? Um, and I like the film so much, in fact, that in lieu of a rating, I'm going to certify it a closed window. I close the wow. window on this film before I leave the house. Wow. Good job. Yeah. 
That's I it? Wanna keep, yeah, I want to keep it. Oh, I see. My rating. That's, that's great. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm confused by that, honestly. You'll get it later. I'll, yeah, I'll take the input. Okay. Uh, no, I'm sorry, James. You won't get it. I don't way, think I will. It's way too fucking deep. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about any recommendations. You guys see any movies you want to recommend? Any TV shows you want to recommend? James, we go first. What do you think? Uh, Ford versus Ferrari, great movie. I really enjoyed uh, Motherless Brooklyn. A oh, lot okay. of people didn't dig that picture. I thought it was fucking great. I thought it was decent. Uh, I uh, really liked. Uh, you know, look, I I think. Once upon a time in America in Hollywood Ooh. is is a great fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was an interesting film. Mm. Uh, let's see, I liked uh, uh, Apollo Eleven as a documentary. Uh, I saw another documentary called The Bridge about suicide. That was very mm. interesting. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and about fucking a people jumping off the Golden Gate, Golden Gate Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a tough watch, but it's a, it's a you good know one. what? I have to tell you, I I, I, I just. Happened to be on it, and uh, they were, you know, it was long, cat, long, long telephoto footage of some guy walking along the Golden Gate Bridge, and he hops over the rail and jumps in the water, and I was locked in. Mm. It just locked me into the movie. It was mm. very strange. They uh, uh, heavy picture. Yeah, they put up, I think, nets now because of that movie. Just like Fox. Uh, well, it's <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's it's uh, it just like yeah. Very heavy. Uh, what else? Um, it's the cost of an iPhone. True. Yeah. Star you know, Wars, yes or no? Uh, did you like it? Yeah. You liked it? I did. I, I enjoyed Star Wars uh, yeah. very much. Mm. I'm looking forward to Birds of Prey. Really? Oh. oh. Open mind. Look at you. Yeah. Well, you guys aren't looking for Birds no of Prey? No way. It looks, it looks like a piece of shit. Give me the no, fucking bro. I'm going to see it, but yeah. <laughs> I don't care for you any of those. Hot chicks kicking ass? What, I mean, what's no, no, wrong no, with the you idea guys? Is, the idea is cool, yeah. but the the DC- Harley like, Quinn, come on. DC has so consistently failed yeah. with all of their all of their like big tentpole movies. It just, I assume Harley it's going to be similarly You're not shit. wrong. And no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> She's, She's just so hot. badass, but, man. Yeah, no, that's really cool. But like, you know. I mean, Charlie's I Angels was supposed to be hot chicks, Robbie. you know. Yeah, but Charlie's Angels <laughs> sucked. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, anyway, we'll see. I've been yeah. watching. I, I, by the way, I like 1972. Mm. I, I thought I, that was an excellent film. I, 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 I liked it. Tim, what you got? Oh, well, uh, I liked Uncut Gems. That's the only thing that I've seen in theaters uh, recently. You're wrong. Um, you know, every 10 years, Adam Sandler does a serious movie, and it's great. Uh, but uh, I've been watching a lot of TV lately, uh, and I started watching these two new-to-me shows, uh, Brockmire uh, with Hank Azaria mm-hmm. and Baskets with Zach Galifianakis, and both of those are just fantastic shows. I would say Baskets is better. Hmm. Um, have you guys seen Baskets? Neither. At no. all? No, nobody? The Mandalorian? Right, so are you fam- <laughs> yes. Also yes. great. Yes. Are you familiar, however, with Louis Anderson, the comedian? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He plays Christine Baskets, Zach Galifianakis' mom in the show. <laughs> and apparently he's won several Emmys for it. And it just like, it's my favorite thing in my life right now isn't is it, Louis Anderson in the show. Isn't it Jeffrey Tambor transparent sort of thing, or is he just full on playing a woman? No, he's full on playing a woman. Okay, and it 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 sells, and mm. it's got it like it's got a weird heart to it, like right. in the way that the Louis show did. Okay, kind of in ways, yeah, yeah. you know, not to not to wax poetic on that. The guy, cartoon? Or? I'm not a huge not Louis fan, but okay. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of the person. Yeah. <laughs> no. At all. Uh, growing up, I had a VHS copy of The Wrong Guys, which was a movie starring Louis Anderson and um, Richard Lewis and a few other comedians of that time okay. as uh, a Boy Scout troop that is going back to uh, a camp out. Um, it that sounds uh, awful. It was uh, <laughs> it was one of those, fa you know, fantastic, like earnest type movies or something oh, that God, I loved as yeah. a kid. Uh, John Goodman is the bad guy. And, oh, oh, that's man. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's great. What year is it? Is uh, it this is like probably 84. Boring. Oh, so it's yeah. Thing John. It's uh, Revenge of the Nerds, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. you know, yeah, Burly Mountain Man, John Goodman. <laughs> That's certainly not my recommendation. He, he was a looker in the 80s. Yeah. That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Roseanne, John? Yeah. No, he's never a looker. That's the '90s. That's like yeah. fifty thousand Big Macs later, dude. Yeah, I'm talking is. like '84, John Goodman. He was a strapping young lad. Well, you'd know. As far as recommendations, uh, the movies I've seen in the theater <laughs> recently have all sucked. Um, so I'm going to rec recommend Speechless, mm -hmm. which is something that uh, Hulu just kind of forced me to start watching. But it's a sitcom that's fairly decent. Um, kind of reminds me a little of Malcolm in the Middle, but uh, Mini Driver's got that accent, so it makes it a little classy. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend Free Solo if you haven't seen mm -hmm. it already. My favorite documentary. Oh, I know yeah. it's a year That's old. That's on uh, Hulu, yeah. right? Maybe. I don't know. Actually. Yeah. Or it's, it's streaming on something. It's I was about gonna, a I was year behind the, the time. Day. Yeah, dude. Did I you know. just get around to that one? Yeah, I yeah. just got around to it. You, know what Do, you didn't see it in IMAX then? No. Oh, dude. It's like, it's, it's, I don't know, scary in IMAX. Mm -hmm. Like That sounds awesome, yeah. actually. That'd be a cool thing to have him re-release. That dude I mean, is down within five years. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He's not. He's very smart. He won't do that kind of stuff anymore. He he, he continues. Oh. He is so addicted to that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's still doing it. Kind of he's shit. addicted to it, but I think he's smart in that he won't try a stupid free solo. That's he, what they all say. Yeah. And then they no, end up exactly. falling. No, no, they yeah. all die. die. You know who they all, all honestly die is base jumping and the wingsuit stuff. That's how they all die because they take it to the next level. You're you right need, there. You need a he lot thinks, of experience listen, to do that, that wingsuit dude shit. Dude yeah, is dead in ten, five or ten. Yeah, five, yeah. I think he's, I think he's different. I honestly, I, after mm. watching this documentary, I think he's a little bit smarter. You know, there than was the another guy that was right up there with him that was at that same level, and yeah. he's dead yeah. now. Yeah, there's a lot of them that do that. Yeah, a lot of bodies on Everest. This is probably the most dangerous sport there is. Mm. I mean, but no, that's no, what, no. give me a fucking break. Oh yeah. Free soloing. Oh, yeah. Come climbing on. Climbing up the face of El Capitan with no fucking ropes. Are you kidding me? You have yeah. to be batshit crazy just to think about the idea. It's like that in Grizzly Bear. There's a 90 cool. foot Thanks. overhang on the fucking thing. I mean, give me a break. I, I think that, okay, no. I, I'm not going to get any of you guys on the, my board no. with this, but I think that the way they portray it, it makes it seem like he is smart enough that he takes two years to, to navigate every little bit of the rock that for him, it's actually not as much of a risk as you think. But what sport is more dangerous? I would uh, over a long period of time. I would say boxing, probably. Mm. I think you're guaranteed brain damage. Either yeah, way, but you yeah. see, with boxing, you can get knocked out five or six you're times. You're still not dead. Yeah, but with with free soloing and that kind of it's shit, all you have to do is fall one uh, time. I think, bye bye. I think maybe it's a dive, like free diving. Maybe might be more well, dangerous. That, that weird Possibly. Part, Actually, no, that I would weird... agree with you that like cave diving. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, that might cave be diving is probably more dangerous yeah. and probably more people. Cave diving yeah. is. is Super dangerous, but yeah. it also takes it such a great level of skill. The the sport that, that has it. cropped up on the internet recently of like all these kids running along building rooftops and oh, shit. Oh, the parkour shit. Obviously, yeah. way more dangerous than anything sure. else. Yeah. That's the stupidest. So, thing. what animal 
in the world, what creature kills mm. the most human beings? Hippopotamus. Uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, mosquitoes. Mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were going to something like that. I guess when I come here, I'm going to come up with some stupid trivia. Uh, <laughs> these are great. I love it. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think the hippo is the most dangerous mammal. You know yeah, what? Deers, you'd be yeah. surprised, kill a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. especially in this country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot Not of them. Not even yeah. a car accident. Well, because we've killed Just in off like, all oh, the apex even being, predators. And they. We went through and we killed off all their apex predators, and now they fuck. You know, they just now they think their shit don't stink. Way too many of them. Yeah. No, there's just way too many of them. Killed yeah. all the grizzlies. Well, we we just disturbed the ecosystem, and that's why there's so well, many. Go deer. to Maryland. They are literally. Yeah. Everywhere. There's yeah. 10 deer. Well, don't don't go to Maryland. Maryland. Don't, you don't have to go have to Maryland, guys. The, you uh, have it. you guys heard of the green overpass idea that they've been yeah. like no. floating around forever? I'd love to see them actually fucking do that. Well, they need they to do, do that for, the, for these for these uh, cougars, these mountain lions. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Is it true there's that one cougar in Griffith Park? Yeah, I saw her. She's, she's not bad. There's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sean's, one of Sean's good jokes, guys. <laughs> my, end on that. <laughs> my buddy who lives in Beverly Hills sent me a picture the other day of the two coyotes that they have living in the backyard. Awesome. <laughs> coyotes? Coyotes. I'd be more worried about them coyotes. They were very healthy Coyote season all year long in Missouri. What about the uh, Angeles Forest Monkeys? Uh, that's a fucking myth. <laughs> I've been in the Angeles Forest a lot of times. I ain't never seen. You never got attacked by a tribe what of about, monkeys. What about the Bel Air parrots? Oh yeah, that's a whole oh, thing. Oh yeah, I think that is that's actually a thing. That is, oh, that sure. is a thing. Yeah. And there's yeah. more than just there's, Bel Air parrots. There's yeah. parrots all over. Well, the Well, there's place. parakeets all over the valley too. Yeah, but it's the parrots that yeah, are no, the these annoying parrots, fuckers. Like they're they're noisy motherfuckers. Yeah. They wow. are definitely try and shoot around a, parrot, a flock of. Well, yeah. They've t they're literally wild parrots now. They've self they're self replicating and they're and they're self replicating. <laughs> self replicating. <laughs> well, they only make copies of themselves. Those things. <laughs> they have evolved to AI. <laughs> they don't need no stinking about nukes. Uh, what about these self-replicating yeah. parrots? <laughs> my family has like a shared family bird that's a parrot. It's my age. It's 28 years old. Really? Yeah. Is it as smart as you? Uh, it's smart. a little smarter, yeah. yeah, actually. I love the idea that parrots are secret geniuses. I think they're, they're all, pretty like, smart. Yeah, I well, think ravens are smart. The, the weird thing is, is he still oh, talks to my grandparents' voice, and they've been dead for like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you hear the news story the other day? Some guy uh, had a parrot, and the parrot was screaming bloody murder. <laughs> oh, man, they're killing me! They're killing me! Help me! Help me! Help me! The neighbors heard this shit. Called the cops. Right, <laughs> cops show up and oh, it's the bird, and then they engage. They have to engage the bird. <laughs> they shot the bird. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hope not. If it was a dog, they would have. Yeah, maybe you know, yeah. if it was a dog in like in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, uh, documentary you should watch. Don't fuck with cats. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, I still good? haven't seen that. I keep, I keep flipping past staring it, staring at yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Or don't watch it. Me. It's extremely it's like one of those paintings uh, with the eyes that totally. follow you. You yeah. know. Yeah. So yeah. I watched the film. Uh, would you call it a documentary? <laughs> Don't mess with cats. Don't yeah. fuck with cats. Yeah. Would you call it a documentary? Sure. Though? Isn't it? I don't know. I, 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 Is it a collection of cat videos? Because it's well, it's it's a documentary about the Reddit Crusade, right? It's, it's about this guy who murders uh, animals and videotapes it and puts it on the. And then the internet's and, like, "Fuck this guy." Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Tracked him down. Yeah. I saw that movie. It was disturbing. You know, it's, it's an interesting watch, though. It shows you kind of how internet mobs can be harnessed for mm. different purposes. Yeah, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, but uh, I've been getting into this thing lately uh, called the British History Podcast. Mm. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Covers uh, British history, of course, from uh, the to, uh, uh, Ice Age to 
I'm actually, I am probably haven't listened to an episode since the last time we recorded this. <laughs> you, know, you know what I've been watching? I've been watching Japanese uh, vending machine videos. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Okay. Yeah. I swear to God, you'd be amazed at what you can get oh, out of yeah. a Japanese vending machine. Speaking yes, of Japanese, not... there's this weird corner of Netflix of <laughs> Japanese TV, and there's this... Uh, uh, a show called Midnight Diner Tokyo that's fantastic fantastic it's really good it's a, it's a it's a show that centers on this diner as almost the main character and there's a few uh like kind of waldorfy yeah. kind of characters that almost a uh, cheersy kind of yay, characters yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, cast yeah, of characters yeah. that are always in this diner and the episode features uh, a new main character each time because it's a new person walking into this diner with their own story is it reality a new meal. And a new meal. It's all about the meal, really. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and it's like a reality show. Yeah, you also see, no, it's not a reality show at all. It's kind of almost like feels like a telenovela kind of daytime TV it's sort not, of thing. They're not long. Yeah, no, not long yeah. at all. And also, have you seen Samurai Gourmet? No, I haven't. But I like that show. That yeah, I, I like I like Tokyo Diner though. I thought, yeah, like that Midnight very much. Diner Tokyo Samurai Gourmet, Gourmet is a similar kind of uh, similar production value, kind of not super high budget. Uh, By the way, but, I'm not kidding about the vending machines. That's there, awesome. we believe there, you. There, uh, there's okay, good. I yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, Samurai Gourmet is about a, a retired uh, Japanese man who dreams about being a samurai during the day while his wife tries to get him to do stuff or something like that. That's it's cool. kind of funny, hmm. but uh, yeah, I've also been listening to uh, Ram Dass died recently. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, um, yeah, and so uh, the Love Serve Remember Foundation uploaded 150 hours of his lectures to oh, uh, to Apple Podcasts, and you can also uh, you can stream it on Spotify as well. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I've, I'm about eight or nine hours into listening <laughs> to him, and uh, it's pretty good shit. I don't know, you know, if you're a leftist little weirdo like me. Mm. Okay. Yep. Well, if you're a leftist little weirdo like Tim, oh, check it out. Yeah. And if you're not, uh, I'm going to recommend a podcast then called Raise the Dead. Uh, I think I talked about this on another show, but uh, Justin Robert Young does a breakdown of the 1962 election, I think, the uh, one between Nixon and Kennedy. Um, it's like an eight 60. part. 60. Uh, it's like an eight part uh, podcast that uh, goes really in depth into uh, the correlations between that election and the 2016 election. And, uh, mm. you know, very interesting take on events kind of told from almost a um, a current event status. So it's a little less like a boring history thing and more like a, you know, kind of current news sort of thing. How many episodes? Is it like a few episodes? Or? Yeah, it's like eight total for the for the run of it. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Raise the yeah. yeah. Also, Jim Comey wrote a book called uh, A Higher Truth. It's not even what it's called. <laughs> Is that really not? It's not what it's called. What's it called? I think it's called A Higher Power. No, it's A Higher Truth, you dumb shit. I don't think so. I own the book. Doesn't mean you can I read. Only am recommending I don't know a lot of this. Books. I'm only recommending this just because uh, Joey fucking hates James Cody. No, it's called and, a higher loyalty. Oh, a higher loyalty. What? <laughs> Everyone's wrong. Uh, it's all right. All right. Fuck Comey. Old general, forgive old Timmer. Go away, Comey. We don't need you anymore. I like him. He's he's my lamppost in a blue suit. <laughs> I love I just I'll, I'll always have that image of him against that fucking curtain oh trying my God. to be invisible, camouflaging himself. <laughs> what a 
farce our fucking political situation is. Jeez Listen. Louise. I haven't even really been paying attention to this impeachment. No, nah, it's not jazz. worth your time. I really, like, it's just like, uh, uh, you know, whatever, man. Yeah. No, it's worth everyone's time. I no. feel like jo- I, I agree with Joey morally, but I behave like Sean. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, An asshole? Apathetic. Well, it's just, yeah. It's there's just, nothing you can do. And well, it's just, yeah. It's like watching a house burn down. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Another wall fell. Yep. Like, well, I, okay. I don't view it like that necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I got, like, whatever. I'm just focusing on me. <laughs> I think you're right. We're watching a, a burning house, but we're almost rooting for the firefighters, I think, in the, in the way I watch it. Oh, totally. But, like, I don't need to watch the firefighters fight fire to know that somebody's holding a hose. Okay. <laughs> the metaphor went too far. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Anywho, thanks for listening. I'm sure to check out all the shows on the podcast network. <laughs> we got Paula Tinkering going down on South Park. Text before calling literally, literally, wow, wow, Westworld in this show that you're listening to. Celluloid Breakdown. Also, buy a mug and donate to the Patreon. You can do that at podcast.com uh, slash shop or patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah, visit my Instagram at uh, timothy.j.snow. I do bad art, and that's where I get my validation from. James, do you want us to check out uh, your do you have a Twitter, anything, Instagram? No. I don't want people going anywhere near my Instagram. <laughs> so everyone, leave James alone. Yeah, yeah we're going to mask his voice, actually, Just for that. Stop thing. using plastic, that's all. all right, yeah, stop using also plastic. that, yeah. Buy a, a, buy a water bottle, bring it to work. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. need to buy a yeah. plastic water buy, bottle. Buy, I keep a gallon buy jug in my room. in glass if you're going to. Yeah. yeah. I keep a gallon jug in my bedroom, and I keep a water bottle at work. All right. But and the gallon jug is for pissing in. What? Well, that's the other gallon jug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay.